done whole parts. Oh, they take little tiny pieces. There won't even be a scar. I think I found the problem. Oh, come on, you're the doctor. Everyone, lights out and quiet. Yet, I can't exist by myself because I'm afraid of myself. Because I'm the maker of my own podcast. <laughs> uh, it is the maker of my own evil. And today, we're talking about Possession yeah. by Andre Zalowski. Well, are we get, we, you're just jumping right to the review? Can oh, we do no, that? No, no. I was, oh, was okay. going to just kind of introduce the... This is a show called The Medium Work. The movie's coming to be examined. Yeah. Chopped, screwed, dissected, cremated. But sometimes... Sometimes they stay buried. Yeah. I am a fucking squid, and I'm joined today. <laughs> I'm joined today by. Uh, I'm a younger, hotter, redheaded version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I with am, green contacts. With green contact I am lenses. The warden of the back rooms. Is that 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 Kirby Voss just called? Yeah, 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 the yeah. back rooms. Nobody said they were the skin and demon. That would have been Zach's if he was. Yeah, Zach actually texted us. He said he woke up and the windows and doors in his apartment had disappeared, so he couldn't uh, make you, it. You so that's why I couldn't. You make. know what it was? I I've been sending Zach nonstop creepy pastas, uh, creepy pasta videos. Yeah, and he like opens them at six a.m. and he's like, <laughs> "Fuck!" <laughs> 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 he's like, uh, hey, "Remember the one I sent this morning? The uh, Mandela catalog one?" And he I didn't was, get to like, watch it. Yeah, so there's a, there's a, I still have not watched any of those. There's a there's a great there's a great so the mandela catalog is a youtube uh trust Web me my version of this was marble hornets did you, yeah. you ever watch marble no, i'm sure there's like half a dozen fans out there <laughs> who are pumping their fists right now you mentioned marble hornets but that, that was uh that was kind of a similar thing no, i but, used to be really obsessed with so the mandela catalog is like a, a scary religious-esque uh creepypasta that's online now mm-hmm. and uh people on tiktok it's really caught on with tiktok because the the idea of it is that uh the devil okay uh, has created doubles for every person on the planet, mm-hmm. and now tulpas, doppelgangers, doppelgangers. Yeah. Uh, so now, like Alternate the doppelgangers, are tr- it's like us. It's like Jordan Peele's. It's, us. So it's like, like they, Twin Peaks. They, they like show up to your house and they kill you. Sure, sure. So I've been sending Zach like TikToks of people doing. Is that why that challenge? one TikTok went fucking yeah. crazy? Where the girl like sees herself and she's it, like smiling. She just also like, just has so a. Scary. She's a scary face. Sure. Just a regular scary. Yeah. Face. I guess if anybody smiles that wide, right, and yeah. puts like a hazy. Like, what are you gonna do? Like back in the 1900s, you could like join the circus. <laughs> no, now you, you can go on TikTok. Yeah, and get some clout. Uh, yeah, you make five cents What's a week. What's the modern equivalent of like the bearded lady or like the the guy who eats the swords and stuff on TikTok? Do they still Just guys who make Mandela catalogs. Kind of there's like a Mr. Venn diagram. Beast. There's a Venn yeah. diagram of niggas who would have been in the circus and <laughs> niggas who make TikToks. <laughs> it's just a circle. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but uh, yes, we um, have some news to break down before we get yeah, into I the guess movies. You could say we got some Maybe fucking we'll news yeah. to talk about. We, uh, um, what are we going with first? I guess Sam Levinson is disgraced. No, I mean, okay, right? but, but here's the thing: Sam Levinson has has a has an article like this come out every six months where people are like. Fuck this guy. He's such a dick. <laughs> Sam Levinson came into my house and killed my dog. Like, it's like and it's just like it's it, it's always the same thing. It's like Sam Levinson um made a show yeah. and didn't do a good job behind the scenes. Everyone got out of that pretty successful though. I mean, everyone who was in Euphoria is now a star, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Every single person pretty But much. is it worth it is the question. To be rich and famous, yeah, I think so. I mean, but no, but like the grip, no, but like the grip, no, but like the grip. 
the grip on you for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always enjoyed that show. I mean, they, I know that there's valid reasons to dislike it, but it's stylish and it looks good and I'm there for the drama. You know, I really like most of the characters. Yeah. It's not, you know, the new The Wire or the new Breaking Bad sure, or Sopranos or anything. As long as you know what you're in for. I mean, uh, it Zendaya is going to probably get like three Emmys in a row And the Hunter Schaefer models now for um, Prada. And, and Sydney Sweeney and is a Madam Web. I don't, the think best that's, I don't think that's how you pronounce it. Muggler. Is it Mugle or like yeah okay? okay. <laughs> it's like how Saint Lauren is like it's like how Saint Lauren is Saint Laurent, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so you have the Rolling Stone article up, I can. See. Yes, yes, I uh, and and what I had, uh, have ascertained is that it's more than just like the typical like oh my god we were pulling ridiculous days and the director was a jerk, but there seems to be an argument that he completely has rewritten the thematic context like of the show. Like someone else's work, right? Like, like Amy, wasn't it Amy Simitz? Yeah, and she directed uh, She Dies Tomorrow, the horror mm. movie that came yeah. out. During, and, the pandemic horror movie that came out. The show was like her darling, down. or it was supposed to be Yeah, I mean, darling. she shot 80% of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it says here, um, the first public inking of Trouble came last April when director Amy Simitz of The Girlfriend Experience and She Dies Tomorrow suddenly exited with roughly 80% of the six-episode series finished. Um... There was little explanation for the shakeup except for reports that Tess Fay, who was co-creator, felt the show was heading too much into a, quote, female perspective. Interviews with 13 members of the show. She's like the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. Rolling Stone has learned the drastic delay was caused by Levinson taking over and scrapping the nearly finished 54 to $75 million project to rewrite and reshoot the entire Bro. thing. What the hell? This female director made it look like it was from a woman's perspective. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I, 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 we're gonna delete this episode if fuck? we ever, if any of us ever get put on. But I feel like the weekend is like one controversy away from getting arrested for did tax you fraud. See, did you see his response on Twitter? <laughs> yes, it, it was the. It, it was, was like Rolling Stone. This you? Yeah. <laughs> it was like you mad? So and then it was a picture. It was a video from. from I guess show, that they yeah. they they quickly edited and yeah. put out for him. Well, see that video was that not from season one? No, it's, 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 it's not from the yet. unfinished show. But okay. that's what's weird is because I saw that I was like, oh, did the show come out and. It, that led yeah. me to believe the, the show the weekend, was out. Someone Why are was we like, trying so hard to make Johnny Depp's daughter like a star? Like, can we leave that family alone? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, am I the only one who has that opinion? No, I mean, it's fair enough. It's valid. She's, I want to see Johnny Depp. She's daughter very daughter famous. Everywhere. She's Timothy Chalamet's girlfriend. She was what? in The King. She really? has a giant forehead. They were kissing nice. on she a ship. She has a big forehead. At one sure. point, <laughs> I um, <laughs> yeah, I just think it's it seems to be a thing where like the show was intended as a satire and then. Sam Levinson and the weekend were like, no, let's let's make it a real dudes rock show. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but like in the worst way, the weekend was like, I don't want to be a bad person. Actually, it's have beer and titties, and apparently, at one point, they reshot the weekend, a scene because there was not enough boobs in it. Yeah, 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 yeah the yeah, weekend yeah. makes her put an egg in her vagina and like yes. not break it. Yes. Or else he will sexually assault sexually her, assault yeah. her yeah, yeah, yeah. which is something that she wants to happen. I, have no I just, I just want you to know, Sam Levinson, that one day you will meet Satan, yeah. <laughs> and, you'll, and you'll be like, "Hey, we've been waiting." He probably already has. He's, he's going to the ninth circle with Ronald Reagan and whoever invented gluten. You know, they're all going to be fucking burning down there together. Just Henry the Eighth down there. Oh, yeah. Henry the Eighth, Ronald Thatcher. Reagan, and Sam Levinson. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, well, Kenya Barris. Uh, <laughs> God, Lee. So yeah, that's what's going on with Sam Levinson. I, I mean, he's a provocateur. When the industry will always make room for those, uh, no matter how much money. Yeah, most of he those wastes. guys, I, I think, are entertaining enough. Mm. Like I think Gaspar Noe's stuff is really provocative. But I have a good time. Watching but I think those movies, I think you know? Gaspar Noe though is a better writer than sure, Sam Levinson. Sure. I think like I, like I think you could say Gaspar Noe is a uh, provocateur. But I think ultimately you don't leave his movies most of the time and go like, oh, what a fucking asshole. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I 
sometimes you leave Sam Levinson's state. The big and you're thing like, with Levinson was like, um, oh well, he's kind of this lived experience of like overcoming addiction and yes, stuff, and that, those are where the most like potent parts of Euphoria come from, or where he's just kind of projecting dealing with Rue. Yes, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, but I mean, when, when, episode, he, when he exits that box, it's like, what, is, what does this guy have to offer? I mean, I mean, the episode, the episode of Euphoria season two, which m- most people didn't like, where it was Rue escaping and trying. No, to... No, I think most people loved that. Episode. No, no, I'm saying most people didn't like the season, but most people sure, loved that sure, episode. Sure. Or it was just the Rue episode. Good time. The, the good, good time, time episode, Rue episode. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, good for Zendaya working mm-hmm. Euphoria to get to. And she's getting a million per episode moving forward. So far. I think she's done her. after this season. I think we're going to get three seasons. Well, that's like 16 million in the bank. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> who cares? I mean, she made her money. Tom Holland is excited. Do you think Tom Holland watches Euphoria? I have no idea. I'm no, sure he, he can. Right? You know, he I, I don't even set. know what he, you know he wants it. to be in Euphoria, right? Yeah. As like a drug dealer. He couldn't even. Hello. Hello. I have <laughs> drugs for you. Hey, I'm, I'm playing Nathan Drake, his, his but I can't shoot like anyone in this clean, movie man. when I'm playing Nathan Drake. His image is so clean. He, yeah. w- he was in a movie called uh, Cherry where he had to like step out of Play his box a drug for a sec. Dealer, yeah. And I don't know anybody who saw it. I didn't yeah. see it. That's trailer the for it. They that's publicity. the Russo's first post Endgame yeah. movie. And that movie, Gray Man, that no one watched. Oh, you know I watched it. They're, they're, they're flopping anything. on the deck. You know, right now, <laughs> you know what the issue with Tom Holland, though, is? I, I actually think Tom Holland's not a bad actor. I think the issue is that he looks 13. Sure. So like that'll whenever, do it. Yeah. <laughs> whenever whenever he like plays an adult, I'm like, stop. Where's your mom? <laughs> and it's always the same like delivery. Like he he played Nathan Drake the exact same. Yeah. Wait, Mr. Stark came. I mean, Mr. Sully. Uh, what am I gonna you do? You know, he with said this? He, he, he always needs to have like a mentor, which yeah. just which just forever makes our association with him be like, oh, he's that stupid kid. Yeah. Who always needs like an older like legacy actor or whatever. Yeah. Like, I listened trainer. to a, a podcast review on Charge, and they said you just need to take this kid and have him smoke like sixteen packs a day. Yeah. For like and and a go month. to the top of a mountain in negative degree and weather scream, and scream at the top of his lungs. You know that used to be that. how they would. They Rock would, Hudson. Yeah, had to Rock do Hudson that. did yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, in the Ryan Murphy show. I mean, Hollywood. It's a little cruel, but if you don't do it, we get stuck with guys like Tom Holland. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Oh, what do you say about Tom Holland thing, and, Ro- uh, and Rock Hudson? Are you saying that there's a correlation there? No, one's dead and one's alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't. All right, well, twinks on, across so. time, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. moving forward, <laughs> uh, Hudson was burly. We've got. He was, uh, he was, he was. a corn-fed Oklahoma boy. He was, but <laughs> he, 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 he was still gay. He was big and burly. Um, <laughs> Zendaya and Tom he, Holland. I'm so happy the term that uh, comes from. I think was Rock Hudson. <laughs> I'm so happy that that stud and her twink found each other. You know, Zendaya hey, and Tom Holland. What are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, how to blow up a pipeline? Um, how to blow up a pipeline? I'm, I'm sure I could have made some sort of joke about piping uh, and something. You could say speaking of twinks, say. but are there any twinks in this show? And and how to blow and up how to blow up a pipeline? I don't that, so. that guy who went viral on Twitter because that casting director. Was yeah, like, that's true. Your apartment sucks. That's true. You know what? That guy was in Euphoria. That's where else I know. Him Is from. he in from Euphoria? Yeah, now? he he's the guy who Nate Jacobs in the first season like. It beats up. That he is him. Had sex with Alexa Demi in the pool. That's in the true. Pilot. Yes, Lucas that is Gage. Yeah. This yeah. dude. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, this white boy's just been floating around mm-hmm. Hollywood. Uh, how to face. How to blow up a pipeline up looks sauce. really good. It's Neon's new big thing they're pushing. It premiered yeah. in TIFF. It's about Look, yeah. It, it like looks really good and also looks really good. It was shot on film. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks looks like maybe thirty two or not sixteen, but it's fuzzy. It looks so really yeah. good. it's it's based on um, Andreas Mimes. Uh, political manifesto which is mm-hmm. suggesting that you know if you we need you to start fucking blowing up pipelines yeah, so we're yeah. gonna lose the earth yeah uh but it's it's as i understand it it's loosely inspired by that it's obviously a fictional account uh and it stars like marcus scribner 
It stars mm-hmm. this actress who is in Farewell and More in the Batman. So yeah, it's a pretty stacked yeah. she was cast the mayor, of right? yeah yeah, yeah. it's a pretty stacked yeah. cast of young actors. Um, and it looks really good. I remember I saw it a few weeks ago with Dan when we saw Infinity Pool, and I was just oh re- we saw the trailer. We saw the trailer. We saw the trailer so yeah. we saw that, and we saw. Uh, the other big neon release this year, uh, Any's Men. Yes, that looks amazing. So that looks incredible. It looks like it looks like neon is, uh, you know, you know what that looks like is the first Wicker Man. It really like in does. In terms of like, the stock, you know, it's old. Show. It's old expired That's, yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, these two movies, you know, both these movies look like neon is really going to have a strong year. Mm-hmm. Um, neon is what A twenty four thinks they are at this. Well, point. Well, I think I think neon is just the new kid on the block. You know. I think, I, think neon, while, I think Neon predates A24. Do they? I think I, so. Really? Because Neon had Parasite. Almost yeah, had a yeah, job with Neon once. Interviews. I almost have a job with A24. So. Hey. Oh, Neon we'll was founded in 2017. <laughs> I remember 2017. that. And A24 okay. was uh, 2020. No. No. no it was 2012. 2012. Oh, 2012. I guess well, A24 just... was founded in 2012. I was about to be like, <laughs> um, I feel yeah, old. Incorrect. But. Um Okay, so I guess maybe I've just, it feels like I've seen, like, more Neon You see Neon in front of, like, a lot of, Portrait of a Lady on Fire but, but, was Neon. But Neon also Parasite, is, like it, I said. I think A24. The best movie of last year, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, but was Neon. But also, A24 has a brand, and Neon right, is right, a little right. bit wider now. Like, Neon will buy Neon is trying to films. turn into a brand. Like, like yeah. they're they're selling box sets now of all their movies. They a bunch are. Of, like, kitschy stickers and they, on and they have and the And they have the collection, they have the connection with Alamo yeah. Draft House, so yeah, Alamo yeah, Draft yeah. House will release their movies. A24's branding, though, is just fucking insane. It's crazy. Pe- people, they, they're Monday selling, laundering. they're selling pet rocks from everything everywhere with Google <laughs> oh, eyes for $40 eyes yes for a lot of fucking money I mean we have I have the fucking Green Knight movie that I could have just yeah. gotten for $5 on the internet but you wanted the nice leather band, yeah you know uh, rectangle case um, but, uh, speaking of the Green Knight our, our boy is are, David are we, Lowry. Are we, are we covering this? Oh, yeah, oh. Peter Pan. Let's, let's cover this very briefly. He he is doing another one for you, one for them type yeah. thing. Well, he uh, has like a deal with Disney because he did Pete's Dragon. That's weird. I never saw He did that. it like right. I think what happens is I've he only does, seen his A24. He so. does these Disney movies in between the A24 yeah. movies. Yeah, one for you, one for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure Peter Pan paid for the his Green car. Knight is <laughs> a movie that just gets finer with age. It's so good. The last time I watched it was on Christmas of this past year. And I was like, movie. this is as good looking as I remember it. Like every. We saw that together, didn't we? We did. Yeah, that's a gorgeous movie. Yeah. Like almost every shot of that is like so realized and, and it's I beautiful. Think I love looks, the palette in that. This looks okay. Maybe there's a little bit it less. Definitely glitz. looks like his movies. Yeah, there's maybe a little bit less glitz than I am expecting from a Peter Pan movie. You know, uh, it's a little drab. Yes, it looks like the 2003 Peter Pan movie. Sure. The, the, no, no, sexy Peter Pan. Where where it's what are you, talking uh, about? I actually you know, know sexy Peter Pan, about? 2003 Peter Pan. <laughs> I said sure, but I actually had no idea. What <laughs> you guys talking about seen this Peter Pan where it's like Wendy? The whole point of the movie is that Wendy wants to kiss Peter. At the end, she does, and he flies. I think I have this DVD in my house. You guys don't know this. Oh wait, no, no, never mind. PJ Hogan called Peter Pan. Yeah, it's called Peter. Okay, it's like a Fox movie. News to me. You guys don't know this movie? (laughs) I don't know. Sorry, man. Maybe Jason Isaacs. Oh yes. With Jason Isaacs. Yes, yes. As Hook. Yeah, he's Hook. That makes sense. <laughs> well, Peter Pan is one of the great Twink uh, forefathers, isn't he? I was, uh, I was uh, in a. Uh, you Peter could Pan. say that. <laughs> 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 you could say that. Yeah. I was in a Peter Pan play with King Princess guys. Just saying. So you know. There you go. Oh. You know. Yeah, I was. Yeah, well, I was. Uh, we've got Jude Law on this as Hook with a hook that's maybe too big. Yeah, it's too big. He's got <laughs> umbrella they, they size. Released, uh, they released like, a screenshot. They're like, "This is our first look of Jude Law as Hook," and like you can barely even make out his face. <laughs> it's like it's like so like. Shrouded in like shadows. He and stuff. looks like he showed up 
for like an addition to Pirates of the Caribbean. He yeah. looks and like he's they, melting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like, nah, we're not going to use you for this, but but hang on to that wig. Well, well, what I said when I first saw this was like, it looks like it was color graded for like large formats, mm. and yet it's going straight to streaming. Why is the David Lowry movie going to streaming? Right? I don't know. That man directed why, why Robert Redford so in his shit, last movie. Why does so much shit go to streaming? Because Disney is like, hey, they like look at the quadrants and they're like, mm, not enough people will go see Peter Pan at theaters. Well, it's, it's funny because... Scream uh, is is like one of the last like of the big horror franchises that's like not just going to streaming. Yeah. Mm. Um, by sorry. the way, I'm just laughing at you saying Peter Pan is the Twink Forefather. The Twink Forefather. <laughs> yes. We've we've mentioned it's, that it's word. Peter Pan. So many times. It's Peter Pan and Hamlet. You know, it's just the two of them. It's together. a Mount Rushmore. <laughs> that last Scream trailer kind of it kind of looks like it's on par with like original Netflix stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it definitely Same looks actors. like they rushed out another movie for like just they one did. year after that they last did. one. It certainly um, looks like they shot it over thirty days. Yes, I, have, I still the, haven't watched the trailer, but yes, yeah. you did. No, they I didn't. Did. I didn't no, watch it. Did. I know you sent it. When they're on the elevator for uh, Outwaters. No, it, yes, yeah, it it played. Right this before. is not good. This is not. Played good. Right it did. It did. Oh right. wow! So, this so anyways, this is not good. So anyways, there's some bad audio stitching in that trailer. Courtney Cox is like, I'm gonna shoot you in the head. Yeah. yeah. Do you uh, think? Do you think they'll kill off? Uh, the I think Jenna Ortega is daughter. too expensive. They're gonna kill her off. I think they're gonna kill off one of the twins. I think they're gonna kill off Courtney Cox. And Courtney Cox is done. I think Hayden Panettiere lives, <laughs> and, I, and I think Melissa Barrera lives, and I think one of the twins lives, and that's it. I, I think, think Tony I, Revolori. I, I, I think dies. they're keeping. I think they're they're gonna kill off Cuba Goodings. I think Tony so. Revolori is fucked. Oh, he's done just from in Act One. He's done. He dies. <laughs> he's done. Who, who, who was it that died in Act One in the last one? That was like one of those like. Uh, Oh, 2004 Dylan Darlings. Dylan no, 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 no. He, he, he was a guy that you really like. Kyle Gallner. That's Kyle right. Kyle Gallner, remember, he was in that movie and he just dies in Act 1. I love really Kyle Gallner as the, the scene after they introduce him. My favorite thing about Kyle Gallner is he's in all these shitty remakes of yeah, yeah. slasher movies. He was movies. in the remake of Nightmare. Yeah. He was in Jennifer's Body. He was in Jennifer's Body. <laughs> dies um, the same way. What do you reckon is the um, twist of this scream? I was like guessing from the trailer. I don't know. I guess there's two concurrent ghost faces, right? Happening because one now. of them has like a Rob Zombie mask, and the other one is like a regular. Well, one of them has mask. Billy's old mask. The first, the first. Mask. That's what I assumed that was. Yeah. yeah. To close this out, I was just gonna say it's weird that like we're in a time where like one of the last vestiges of like the franchise horror wave that used to like dominate theater chains is just Ghostface. Scream mm. still goes theatrical. But, you know, Leatherface is on Netflix, Pinhead's on Hulu, Michael Myers has split custody with Peacock, mm -hmm. right? Chucky's yeah. on the sci-fi channel. It used to be a big studio thing where you would bank on, like, having your franchise horror movie in the theater to, like, pull in a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the 80s, I mean, just the year alone, 1988, Return of the Living Dead... Halloween 4, Friday the 13th Part 7, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Amityville Returns, mm. Child's Play 2, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Jeez, you're just really Imagine off. you're fucking going to the theater in 88, it's October or whatever, you've got your 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 girl or whatever it may be, she's like, I want to see a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, girl. What's, what's, what's playing, you know? Yeah. I want to see you moved into the Amityville house. I want to see if they rebuilt Chucky. I want to yeah. see if Freddy found a new batch of kids. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. pa Paramount would fight with New Line. One had like Jason, one had Freddy, and that it's was like, superhero like movies. kind of an exciting thing. Yeah, that's yeah. like the parallel to now. But like studios kind of lost faith in that. But I those guess, movies a while were also ago. the thing that's different from superhero movies. Obviously, that they, those all those movies, for as shitty or as good as they are, had this identity visually. 
They Superman all look horror, horror movies. They look yeah. different. Like uh, oh, yeah. a Halloween you movie. Absolutely, yeah. Halloween movies were didn't look like nightmare. Atmosphere and didn't look like Friday nightmare. the Thirteenth had that summer camp vibe. Nightmare had that surrealist horror vibe. Yeah, and, and Texas like, Chainsaw was redneck horror. You know, mm, I would take um, So, so studios now, I think, are kind of at this like weird crossroads, and I think Warner Bros. realizes that there's not like a lot of franchise yeah. horror dominating the box office like it used to. Their last big output was like. The It movies, mm. chapter I mean, they, one and chapter two. They also two. have those uh, the movies about the demon houses. What are the Conjuring? Oh, Conjuring. Yeah, I don't think I think like It was like considered like a blockbuster. It was. It they, made a lot they, of money. they really considered both of them made that a lot of to money. be like their big horror output. So that's like, why they're, they're kind of scrambling. The they're like, what IPs do we have? You know what they have? Superheroes. The they have dead. the Evil Dead. Oh yeah. So uh, they also b- have before we get into Evil Dead Rise, I thought this fucking video that came out on the day of the trailer was kind of sad oh, yeah. and um but it is also funny i'm just gonna play it hey evil dead fans i have a very exciting update to share with you i have a sneak peek of a new trailer for the next installment in the franchise evil dead rise even though i'm not in this film as a producer i'm all over this movie like a cheap suit i guess you can say i have a hand in it <laughs> Now, I've seen the movie in all of its glory, and in case you're wondering, yes, it is amazing, and yes, it is the scariest one yet. Groovy. So please enjoy this first look, Evil Dead Rise. How, how much do you zeros, think they paid him for that? How many zeros do you think were on that Warner Bros. check? Oh, I think <laughs> it ha- it had five. To been, like, it had five. to have been something like really egregious. I think that, that's a hundred thousand dollars. That is like the lamest like sellout thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my fucking life. It's the best one ever. I'm all over this. They movie, couldn't like, even get Sam Raimi to do it. They were like, Dude, <laughs> they were I like, do Sam. Not believe for a second Warner Bros. is like letting Bruce anywhere near this movie. <laughs> I also like, don't like, believe. I was a producer on. I don't think he's seen it. I don't think he's fucking. No, I don't think he's seen it either. I think they cut him a check and they said, "We have a green screen right here. I think you can just stand in front of it for a second. Record the, They're like Sam is an answering our calls. He, he literally fucking confirmed when he hosted Last Man Standing that for the 2013 movie they cut him a producer check so he wouldn't shit talk the movie, <laughs> so that he wouldn't like say how he actually feels about it. He just like collects money so that he could, they can like shut him up. Um, which <laughs> I, which tone I think, of silence. Which I think is, is sad and funny and just just weird. <laughs> very uh, seems very telling about yeah. about the movie i mean from the trailer i saw it looks like it could be a fun time it, no it looks very it looks good mommy's with the maggots now yeah, yeah. No, i do actually want to watch now that i've seen uh i do, i still have, i do still have to see army of darkness but i want to watch 2013 evil dead now that it's i've intense. seen the original it's really good it's it's funny because like you know a, a lot of the discourse i saw the day that the trailer came out was like people being confused that the comedic tone is like completely gone yeah uh for this one they're just like going flat out dark like with the 2013 one but i think it works as both because I think that 2013 movie is is pretty ferocious and mm. pretty like in your face and stuff. And uh, I liked that movie a lot when it came out. Mm. You know, I saw it a bunch of times. I think people consider Evil Dead to be more of like a goofy thing, though. And, and I mean, lots I don't, people aren't sold on the new one, tone. I think the 2013 one and hopefully this one are funny in a different way mm. in that they turn I think up, the 2013 one's kind of funny. It is funny, but it also like turns up the dial to like 400. Yeah. So you're like, oh, like. This is insanity. Mm-hmm. It's raining blood. This, this is, is like insanity. how they compensated for like the two like main uh, 
you know, creative architects of the series, like, kind of taking a departure. Yeah. And then when they greenlit uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, Bruce did a bunch of interviews where he was, like, shit-talking the 2013 one and being like, ah, oh, fans want the, the real thing now. So mm. Also has one, my favorite, uh, has one of my favorite, has one of my favorite, 2013 has one of my favorite twists, which is, like, you think the brother's right, right. Ash. They're doing the Ash and you Cheryl think he's thing. Ash, and then, and then, and then, and then in the, in the that, third yeah. act, he goes in and he dies. And yeah. you're like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. she's Ash. Yeah, ah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's fun. Uh... Good time. But superheroes, yeah? That's the other thing Warner Brothers has. Yes, they do. Let's, I mean, we can talk just briefly about the fact that James Gunn stood in front of a red curtain and was like, here's what we're doing, guys. I like Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and they're rebooting Batman again, but not really because... Well, he's he's writing this new Superman, right? He's yeah. writing the new Superman. Which he's not going to have a lot of green needle drops, I'm sure. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think people are really or misremembering how much heart uh, the Guardians movies have. Like, I mm-hmm. think he can mm-hmm. do a Superman movie. It's just that Peacemaker was fucking yeah, bad. It's really bad. But it's funny that, because so I think bad. you're the only one that I've heard, I don't, the only person I know. I've only seen one. That actually disliked watched it. it, right? No. I, <laughs> did you watch it? I haven't watched it, but I've okay. seen, I've, I've heard from other people who have watched every, it. Every joke it. is like poop and like, uh-huh. uh, I'm going to pound a brewski and fucking get high and poop. And just, that's, that's yeah. like, it's it's potty humor. Uh-huh. I mean, for I, sure. I, I, but like, it's it's like if Eastbound and Down was a superhero show. But I think also <laughs> that's good. I think also, I think when Gunn is being genuine, he's at his best. Like for all the shit and dick jokes, like the best parts. That's what I was, yeah, the, yeah, the best of parts jokes, of his yeah. movies are like, like in Guardians Two, where he's like when, so when, disappointed that yeah. his dad is a shithead. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like when, like, when oh. Rocket when Rocket realizes like he can be as much of a prick as he wants because like. There's still his family. They still love him. I mean, for all of his shortcomings. Crying, you know? watching the Guardians three trailer when he's like, uh, where he's like, one more time, we're gonna jump into the great beyond. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're like, oh man, like what a sad. I don't know. I think I think Gunn could do Superman. The word on the street is that they're courting Affleck for one of these to direct one of these. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, he's gonna do the Brave and the Bold. That's that's the rumor. The theory. I the think I think I mean Affleck's a big Batman fan aside from playing Batman. Yeah. I would rather Affleck do a more grounded thing. Like if they wanted to give Affleck the question mm. or give him like the swamp thing or something. I'd be like, "Great." I don't I don't know if I if Batman The Brave and the Bold yeah, is with with Damian Wayne. Yeah, Damian Wayne like cutting off a criminal's head and handing it to his mm-hmm. father. <laughs> Which could be grounded, but it but it's it's a weird thing to to do Damian Wayne with Brave and the Bold because that those are that's you're make you're taking two different eras of Batman and really making them clash. It's it's just going to that feels odd. I mean, I, I I should be really happy. He's adapting he's adapting first of all all Morrison stuff. Morrison's right. my favorite comic writer. He's doing All Stars of Superman. He's doing, um, he's doing the Morrison Batman run, which mm-hmm. means we're probably going to get R.I.P., which means we're probably going to get Dick Grayson as Batman, mm-hmm. which is fun. I like all that stuff. But the, we're, do, we're doing the Authority, which means we're going to get Superman in the Authority, which is also Morrison. But my thing is, like, it's such a weird choice when we haven't had a live-action Robin in, not including Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, yeah. We haven't had a live-action Robin in 30 years going straight for Damian Wayne. Yeah. Feels weird. Um, but maybe we'll get Nightwing in that movie. Maybe we'll get Tim Drake in that movie. Maybe. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, but also, like, it's just kind of a wait and see. Like, all of these projects sound good in theory, but so did the first slate. 
Mm. Like so did mm. Batman, Green Lantern, Cyborg. I remember thinking the name Man of Steel was like so, so cool. I like, could not wait to see yeah. that movie. And the first trailer was like, yep. um, yeah. you know, like long lens, shallow depth of field, like the kid with his yeah. hands on. Oh uh-huh. my gosh, so like good. Remember it was in Rises and, and then, the Rises and then thing? The f- yes, right before Dark Knight Rises yeah. in IMAX. Yeah. yeah. And then the final shot was him. Was him going up. The sound barrier. And then he's yeah. coning. He like yeah. cones and goes. Yeah. The, oh, that man. trailer played right after Oz the Great Powerful. So, I mean, that was a time. What year was that? 2012? Yeah, yeah, yes, that was that was a time to be a moviegoer. It was, Jesus. man. Yeah. I um the other thing that's that is of note here is that Gunn is saying that they're trying to keep everything consistent, the same actors in every aspect of you know, represent the, the characters across so the it's, board. So it's not a complete reboot. Really the same well. continuity. Well, well, isn't Jason Momoa going to play a different DC character? Isn't well, that what it was? He might, I mean, but also Amanda Waller is in it, which means I Peacemaker see. and all those niggas are still in it. That's it means so Margot Robbie is so, going to be so, in it. So he really, he wanted he, his he shit just kept to still his be shit. canon. Yeah. He just kept his shit, and he said that Shazam may or may not stay. Oh my God, he is not staying, dude. Zachary Levi, what a fall from grace. <laughs> 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 He came out as like a G- Jordan Peterson stan, and then he was like an anti vaxxer and stuff. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. she yeah. Go- goes into the Ant Man of the Wasp pile. Nah, the, the, yeah. the Evangeline <laughs> That's Lily probably pile. why Evangeline Lily had like four lines in the entire movie. <laughs> That's Did tough. you see it? No, but I <laughs> no, heard no, she's no. not in it. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to make this an Ant Man of the Wasp thing, but it's. I was talking to Dan about this. It's like n- a non movie. Mm. Yeah. It's like the only thing about the movie is Jonathan Majors. He was amazing, he's always good. But his him being. The best actor working right now actually works against the movie <laughs> yeah. because you're like, this is Honey I Shrunk the Kids, <laughs> and, and then and Macbeth then is here. Yeah. 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 And then like Macbeth is he also here? What's so funny is like whenever one of these new Marvel movies comes out that looks like shit in terms of like VFX and stuff, <laughs> people are always like, this looks like Sharkboy and Love Girl. Or, Stop. Like, this looks like Spike is 3D, as though Robert Rodriguez movies don't have tons of heart, yeah, and like tons and tons of like soul and yeah. and like goodwill and stuff and those movies make you happy and shit yeah. these movies made me feel i feel fucking cynical dude, as hell man if, if, i have not walked out of a movie feeling more cynical since ant-man and the wasp in like a long i mean fucking time. I, I, spy, uh, spy kids 3d is probably why i make movies right now. i saw that movie like eight fun, times dude. in theaters when, when grandpa suits up yeah. you know what i'm talking when, about when, like when, when, and when, fucking uh steve buscemi comes up and he suits up and they're all taking on the big thing when together. when uh when those movies were like life affirming when junie when uh robert rodriguez's kids movies were so much remember when junie runs into uh elijah Wood and he's like, yeah. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> and then he gets and, and, and he something hits him and like his chest piece pops goes, out and dials down to zero. Yeah. That was so dude, and then his his movies are full of ideas. You can say like they look like cheesy or whatever, but really it's because the whole VFX team of Robert Rodriguez's kids' movies was like him, no, him in his garage. Is it actually movies himself? Yeah. For real? Because with El Mariachi, his whole crew was him doing the sound, yeah, setting up the lighting, and him directing yeah, and everything. And editing. The cast was like five people yeah, for El Mariachi. So he carried that over his entire career. Dude, I love, wow. I love Spike Kids 3. Ant Those Man, movies feel handcrafted. Ant-Man and the Wasp. The not to make this uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, like review, because this would have been as long as it would have actually been. No, that's our review. But, uh, so, so now we can list this episode of Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> slash Skin Rink. Because we just did it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Jonathan Majors, man. Uh, other than, you know, I'm not going to make that joke. He could beat my ass. Uh... <laughs> He is richer than he's a uh, oh wow uh, a review for Creed three Jonathan Majors is a Shakespearean tier villain here he always is yeah mm. it's just an Ant Man and the Wasp you're like why is Kang fighting the nigga from believe, Dinner for Schmucks I can't believe <laughs> like, I turned on his performance in Loki like I remember when that show came out people were like wow what a great performance and now when you ask people they're like that sucks 
we think he's bad in that show. Since people when? Are, people have short attention spans and shorter memories. Right, uh, well, I always thought he was good in that yeah, last no, episode. He's, he's great. And um, I, I, uh, the last thing that is weird to me is they mention they want to do Green Lantern, but they're doing it as a TV show mm. with it's a true Lanterns. detective style tone, which yeah. just... On Earth. It all takes place on Earth. Bad idea. So, so like, one of the lanterns is, like, a nihilistic uh, lantern. Yeah, I mean... I, the I, other I, one is Woody Harrelson. Someone, <laughs> someone fucks Hal Jordan's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it breaks up their friendship. Woody Harrelson eats Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fresh off the watching the first season of True Detective for the Brilliant first time. Brilliant show. And I cannot see... Pantheon show. Yeah. Hall of Fame yeah, really. season of television. It's absolutely really great. Incredible Really show. dark shit, too. Yeah, yeah. very And I just shit. can't see how that blends with the lanterns. But I'm not the one being paid millions of dollars to figure it they out. They always so. say bullshit on those yeah. things. They're always like, yeah, you know, my movie is kind of like solo. Oh, my uh, fucking God, But with God, superheroes. Uh, Peyton, <laughs> Peyton Reed said the Amen and the Wasp was like a Yodorowsky movie. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, this is like the Holy Mountain didn't, on speed. Didn't Russo's say like, oh, we were inspired by... Uh, Antonioni, Antonioni, Laventura and stuff. Yeah, no, the best, the best one is still, is still like a Taika Waititi like just says bullshit. Like you know he's lying. Like whenever they're like, "What were you inspired by?" He like goes for an obscure like Russian movie. Right, right. I was like, I was really inspired by that. I'm like, stop fucking lying. This movie, Brisson is always the influence. Like this movie has Thor. With yeah. two CG hampers. You know, I just really Stop. love Sergei Eisenstein, so I wrote <laughs> Thor: Love and Thunder. Remember, remember, remember Thor: Love and Thunder, a movie that entered my brain and left immediately. Remember how the nobody wanted to do an episode on it because why would we? It do was getting that? absorbed out of my brain yeah. as I was watching. The entirety it. of Phase Four, I just watched Shang Chi. I was watching Shang Chi. I don't care what anybody says, I, man. That movie's bad too. I was. <laughs> that movie's bad. So, so, so here's the thing about Shang Chi. I watched Shang Chi, and I was like, with a few choices, this is a good movie. Mm. Like, take like, Aquafina out. Take Aquafina out. Why did she follow Su. him across the world just to spout one I'm so sorry. The, the guy they chose to pay Shang-Chi has three expressions. I know. Please pick a new guy. Well, you can, you can tell that he was a stock photo model because <laughs> he looks it, it, like he's it, in stock it, photos it's the issue. entire movie. But here's the thing. It's like Tony Leung comes in and it's the Jonathan Majors issue. Yeah. You're too good for this movie. They're also addressing yeah. fan concerns from Iron Man 3, a movie that came out at this point 10 years ago. <laughs> Hey, and remember they do it, Iron Man 3 when you guys were all pissed off about this thing? Well, now They do it twice it. in the same movie because it's not enough for Tony Leung to say, hey, that, that name doesn't make any sense. Then they need to have Ben Kingsley yeah, come they, back yeah, and I fart know. through the movie. They, the fucking, the fucking, <laughs> like, I, Iron Man 3, like revisionism throughout Chang, uh, Shang-Chi, easily took off two stars. Yeah. You know, you know uh, Ben Kingsley is showing up again, right? I'm sure he's he in Wonder Man. He's gonna have a Disney Plus show. Yeah, oh, he's in Wonder he's Man. Man. <laughs> he's a main, he's a major character because Wonder, Wonder Man's Man. an actor. Here, so but, there but, you go. But, but the thing about Shang Chi is not to make this the Shang Chi pod. I was watching <laughs> Shang Chi, and there's a moment. There's a moment where where uh, what is it? Simo Leon. Simo Leon. Simo Leon. Uh, catches. Tony Leung's like rings, yeah, and it becomes like a. And now I know how to use. But no, but it becomes like a father and son story very briefly. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, what a good idea for a movie. And the fight choreography is great. Like, yeah. and I the think, first scene, the first yeah. like fight is. Well, like I think, great. I think, I think D- that Dust- looks uh, like Crouching Daniel Tiger, Dustin Hidden Dragon. Cretton is a good director, but I also sure. think like, I think there's just no quality control anymore, and no. we know that because um, because Bob Iger came back to Disney and was like, pause all these fucking movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
He was like, what's going on? Like, they pushed the Marvels back a year. Yeah. Because they were like, the BFX isn't done. What are you it's doing? It's weird what directors are, like, able to get their voices through. Because Peyton Reed, I don't think, ever had a voice. Mm. Peyton, Peyton, Peyton Reed's movies were never distinguishable from anything and, else. And like, like also a good that director. first Ant-Man, the, the main, like, name that people associated with that was Edgar Wright, who walked off the project, like, yes. a year before them actually entering principal photography. Yeah. It was always Peyton, what it could have been. Peyton Reed's, like, presence as a director was always kind of like washed out by like the right influence yeah. and now that you don't have that anymore Peyton Reed has like no voice and and, and yet like Raimi was given like a long leash I mean Multiverse of Madness Raimi looks Raimi can rewrite the script Multiverse though. of Madness looks at points like a universal horror yeah. film with like very very inspired like shot compositions and like old yeah. school kind of like monster movie flourishes yeah. and stuff I mean Raimi also you know what the thing is I mean I don't know this for a fact uh, but I do know I do know that, like in Marvel writing rooms, I've heard that that you know they'll be doing the writing room shit. They'll be putting things up on the board, and somebody from Marvel come in and go, "Oh, you this can't, is to tie oh, into this oh, other you can't thing. use the shocker. We're using right. it in Homecoming." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like that—that's that, what happened with Modok. Modok yeah. was going to be mm-hmm. uh, an Iron Man or something, and, wasn't, wasn't or Mo- Disney. Wasn't, wasn't Modok alluded to in like Agents, Agents of Shield? Of Shield. Like, I just watched the years, years ago. Yeah. It's a version of him combined with a uh, Crimson Dynamo guy. God, that's but weird. They were going to have him, and then literally Disney said, "No, we're planning to use him at some point." So mm-hmm. they couldn't do the full. I mean, it thing. happened with Namor. I mean, thank God because he would have showed up in Multiverse of Madness. But Ooh, apparently, where was Namor? Namor was going to show up as a member of the Illuminati. And, cool. and they pulled him, and they said no. He would have gotten his head cut off by Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Oh, I, Ra- Raimi yeah. would have had it to where they did the eyebrows. I think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he would have done the eye, which I, is what I want. And it may not have been Tanuch, which would have been a shame. Yeah, because so. he's great. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man, we, guys, you can tell we've been away from the mics for a long time. I, this it, news session, was... the Ant Man <laughs> trailer was on my n- a news item docket, like as of last night, and then I realized like we haven't recorded in, like a long time. Like that movie's come out. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so we are going to take our first break and then come back to discuss skin and marinky skin and marinky do skin marinky do. This house. In this house. In this house. In this house. In this house. <laughs> On this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we uh, we what were a great trailer. <laughs> yeah, it is a great in trailer. this house. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the great. trailer might be better than the movie. No, it's okay. Yeah. Right. Anyway, hey, uh, we're hey, we're Kyle t- Edward Ball. I know you listen to this podcast. Um, I'm whatever Justin Winley's about to say. As you can hear, our voices are different. I don't agree with. <laughs> I'd like to work with you. Hell, man. <laughs> yeah. we, I would uh, like to see you do like a movie movie and see what that looks like. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about Skinamarink, the 2022 Canadian experimental mm-hmm. horror mm-hmm. film directed and written by Kyle Edward Ball as an extrapolation of his uh, proof of concept, Heck, yeah, which yeah. came out in 2020. An interesting short film. Yeah, uh, But Skinamarink is absolutely like just a, a feature-length version. I mean, he also just like is, was one of those creepypasta guys. He, mm-hmm. he was one of the guys who would do like ambient videos of, of like you're alone in your house and like rain is hitting the windows I and mean, like, things I, like that. I, I mm. think just based on maybe, childhood trauma. Maybe based on our, um, our audience, Dan, would you like to explain what creepypastas are? Uh, creepypasta emerged as this like new format for horror storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the oldest civilizations all got together around campfires and told each other scary stories. As technology evolves, and you mm-hmm. know, we we innovate new ways of storytelling. Uh, you know, with the advent of the internet, obviously, this form would become more experimental. Yeah. 
really in a lot of ways avant-garde i mean a lot of these stories that took off were crude ones like jeff the killer Mm -hmm. was really a story that just had like a scary image macro attached to it and then the story itself was kind of like whatever but like the picture was so scary yeah and there was like smile dog dot jpeg you know i'm talking about remember that um usually something with squidward was squidward suicide oh man that one was dark no that story actually scared me because i didn't know it was fake so i i must have read that when i was like 10 i think and you know that was there were all these creepypasta youtubers who get like commissions Mm -hmm. and they would attach the image to like to like play over the whole video and then they would narrate the story Mm -hmm. and i would listen to those guys and whoever I watched that covered Squidward suicide attached this picture of like a kid who looked like he was like dead or something like his eyes were like black or, mm. or, or, or like something like that. And there was like a yellow like filter over it. It was a very scary picture. Yeah. Same with Jeff the killer. Like yeah. you were looking at the picture the whole time that you were hearing the story or reading yeah. the story and the picture would kind and of like emphasize. Itself. Yeah. And prints. Exactly. And I mean, I think, I think also what we're seeing with these creepypasta guys, which we've talked about is kind of like the way early YouTube filmmakers have now, you become know, filmmakers. Become filmmakers. filmmakers. You know, yeah. like like the guy who made uh, the Spider-Man movies. What's his mm-hmm. name? John Watts. John Watts started as a YouTube filmmaker. Oh yeah. You know, like uh, as we're seeing that those is the guys, generation yeah. now. I mean, yeah. the, the Marble Hornets guys ended up actually doing a feature treatment of Marble well, Hornets that I don't think anybody saw. Well, that's what everybody I'm watched Marble Hornets. I mean, when I mean, I was the creepy pasta kids who were mostly like maybe five to six years younger than us mm-hmm. are now becoming filmmakers. Filmmakers, yeah. You know, I mean, Real like guys. like Justin and I have been obsessed with Mandela Catalog. Who, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. hello, which, which is kind Alex of a, a Kister, bridge, if you'd like to come on the show. A bridge into yet another, like, format slash is medium analog. of horror storytelling, which is now analog. analog horror, which is kind of like, an, well, analog is more or less what Skinamarink is, which is... Uh, sure. Taking the, uh, it looks like it was shot on crusty yeah, old VHS, expired film VHS, or VHS, yeah, 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 yeah. but it look it looks really like it's expired sixteen, yeah. which we of course know it's, that like they didn't yeah. have it in the budget, so it's actually a filter. It, you can watch repeat right. the more you look at the movie because let's be honest, the, the movie doesn't have a lot of uh, stimuli hey, to focus man, on. So I, you're just kind of looking at the same filter the whole time, and you see the same like. Uh, synthetic cuts and scratches like repeat mm. themselves. Mm. Yeah, um, the the analog horror seems to really kind of uh, capitalize on the discomfort of nostalgia yeah, in yeah. some ways. Sure, you know, um, by using set it, using trappings that might be older. You know, it's not always it and has to be old, but that, you know, like. When detectives would raid like a serial killer's home, they would find like their art that they made, their and like art, a disturbed yeah. person would make like weird, like kind of analog art, like like like, like weird puppet shows, stop, mo- stop motion movies that they would make and stuff. You know, yeah. like a lot of these analog horror like staples that you see are yeah. kind of trying to mimic like children's TV shows, mm. but as though they were made by psychotic people. Yes. Well, that's and the- that's that's actually very that's what Squidward Suicide the whole story was. I mean, it was this crazy SpongeBob animator was. Splicing in pictures of people he had murdered into the episode. Well, I mean, that's also what's so scary about Mandela Catalog. I mean, Justin, I don't know if you remember the Beginner's Bible, but the Mandela Catalog idea is is so interesting because it's taking like Christian children's iconography, Sunday school Mm -hmm. iconography, and it's splicing it so that it's like as if the devil was trying to speak to kids through this this thing, which is really scary. So I think to tie it all together, I think analog horror is kind of this vestigial tale of creepypastas, which mm-hmm. we we can start to see the beginnings of with we're all going to the World's Fair. We're starting to see it with Backrooms, which just got a deal with A24, and mm-hmm. Skinamarink probably will be the thing that is known as the thing that pushed it into the mainstream. We're going to be talking about this for like the next 
It's it's going to be like this generation's Blair, Blair Witch, Witch, I think, that's, or that or this generation's like sprouts scream, new subgenre where it like makes uh, something not like in terms well, of well, content. I, I think Scream is is more remembered as like the the end of like that subgenre's oh, lifespan right. Right. and sure. kind of reflecting on. So maybe maybe that it's genre, maybe it's know? it's the Halloween of analog horror. It's the one that popularizes yeah, yeah. it. I was on the the Twitter feed of Robbie Banfitch, who directed The Outwaters, and he posted a screenshot of someone saying, "Oh, it's just a Skinamarink ripoff." So people are already like yeah. doing that, you which, know? which is what people said about Paranormal Activity regarding Blair Witch, yeah. and yeah. like uh, Wreck regarding Blair Witch, and what, what are other found footage fucking movies? Uh, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But well, <laughs> really, like if Outwaters. I mean, I think Outwaters is just like a natural extension of that found footage yeah, genre, anyway. as it's already yeah. existed, like as it's already existed for the past like twenty but, years. But, but yes. I think the Outwaters guy also, but I, I think he's friends with Kyle Edward Ball because they, they talk on Letterbox and stuff. Mm-hmm. But 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 I think what we're seeing though, what people are trying to say when they say that is that their analog horror also has this other tale to it, which is like it's also this kind of queer and trans right, right. horror. Which is like there's very, a lot of room for projection. Yeah, which is very much, which is why form. I know we're all going to the World's Fair is not exactly a horror movie. It's more of a drama with horror. There's and parts of that that are scary as they, fuck, though. Truly, but 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 I think I think we're all going to the World's Fair. Outwaters and Skidmarink are kind of of a piece, not only because they're kind of using the uh, lexicon of like internet analog horror, but also because they're all of their creators are queer and mm-hmm. they are. There, that is introduced into the pot, which it has always kind of been in horror, but is kind of at the forefront with these sure. movies. Um, and I, you know, uh, the director of We're All Going to the World's Fair had maybe the best read, I think, of Skin Rink, which yeah. is that it's a allegory for queer childhood. Yeah, I, I saw that on her Twitter. She, she had, um, or actually they, had said that they watched like Skin Rink over and over and had like new things yeah. to pull from it. Whereas I've seen Skin Rink now... Once, just like alone yeah. in my place at I night. I remember I saw the trailer for Skin of Marink with you. With you with IFC. And I was like, fuck. And IFC, <laughs> and, and we, IFC was, that was like their bread and butter. For the, they, they, IFC was building hype to like show Skin of Marink on the big screen there. Yeah. Um, but, but I, so I watched it the first time alone. Yeah. I felt like it was actually, there were points, especially like, look under the bed, where mm-hmm. I was like, oh. I was like looking away from the screen. Then I watched it again with you guys, mm-hmm. and we were kind of ripping it this the whole house. time. Yeah. So <laughs> I think, uh, the trick is to watch it on your own because the third time I saw it, which I can't even believe I did, I went to see it at Alamo with a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. And I was, like was under the impression that, because, you know, I love big horror movie opening nights. Like yeah. Halloween 2018 opening night yeah. was crazy. When, was I so saw, when I saw Evil Dead 2013, Times Square opening night, yeah, yeah. that was a crazy crowd. Yeah. And, like, and like I have great memories that and stuff like, like that. So I was like, was oh, fun. Skin and Marink on the big screen opening night this is gonna be great but the entire time it was, there were just kind of murmurs mm. yeah. does this ha- does stuff happen like, <laughs> like people kind of look what I expect Blair Witch's opening night would have been back in the day mm. yeah know? I mean you know what the issue is is that I mean I, you're not the first person to articulate that Dan is that Skin and was bootlegged that's how mm. most people saw it yes. that's how we saw it the bootleg um, is actually better because it has subtitles for every line of dialogue in the movie. Whereas when you see it on the big screen, no subtitles. when you see it on the big screen, it's only the hardest choose. pieces of dialogue to parse have subtitles. Yeah, even and on that Shutter, is the wrong it's like way that. to do it, dude. Yeah. But so, you so, should have subtitled the entire thing, like in the bootleg, because so it's I, hard to tell what they're saying. I mean, I don't, I, you know, on the record, I don't support bootlegging. I do, uh, but but uh, <laughs> I Kyle, do. But I mean, I'm just saying, Kyle Edward Ball was very upset that everybody was bootlegging. Yeah, no, he's movie. he's valid to be, upset but, which about is fair. Uh, but but I think. Watching it on bootleg, which is how most people saw it, if if, if you didn't go to Fantasia Fest, mm. um, is kind of limited theater. Seeing run. seeing Skinner Rink, I'd imagine by yourself in your home, 
which is how most people watch creepypastas yeah. mm-hmm. in your home by yourself is the ideal situation. That was where it worked the best on me. And yeah. even then I was like, there's too many shots of like nothing happening and stuff. You yeah. know? Like some of the spell, like in immediately the spell, you know, it introduces you to this like very fuzzy, like mm-hmm. hazy world. And like, this has kind of a unique cinematic language. Almost like and you're then, inside of TV static. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and then after half an hour, it's like, God, Please just, just which, please just speed things which up. Which is how know? long his short is. Yeah. Yeah. 28 minutes. Well, you know what it also... That's the thing, though. People don't watch shorts. If, if you want to get your shit out there, it has to be a feature because people don't sit around and watch oh, shorts. Man, that's a whole other Theaters don't Don't I know shorts. it, Dan? <laughs> and I Justin know and I too. made two this year. I know. <laughs> and and when it, whenever hard. people are like, this could have worked as a short, I always ask, like, would you have watched it yeah. then? Because well, people don't watch... People watch features, you know? Well, here's the thing. It's also like... It's kind of the growing pains of the genre, right? Like, creepypasta analog horror works best when it's three-minute videos that are compilations of, like, news items, like, Mm. fictional news items. Like, oh, like, a man disappeared, and then you cut forward, and it's, like, footage of a man's house. Mm. You know, that's kind of the sweet spot for this genre because what's so scary about it is that it could really happen. Mm-hmm. Is that you're observing like a news report and you're like, shit, I know what news reports look like. Yeah. And you're like, that's really scary. And this is warping it, yeah. And it's warping it. Or this is a fucking cartoon. Oh yeah. shit, like, what if I was in my house alone mm-hmm. and I saw this? I it, think it's I, kind of warping like a childhood like home movie where exactly. like, you, you get one of those like Hot Wheels or Barbie VHS cameras and yeah. you kind of like leave it running on the floor of your house and, and it records a like a comes wall. In and picks it up. No, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, a demon comes in and picks it up after an hour and a half of waiting around yeah. watching it. <laughs> well, but, yeah. you know, you know what the thing is also is that um, the thing about Skinner and I think I like, I may like it more than you guys. No, I, I, I like Skinner a lot. I, I gave it three and a half. I, I just think I, I would it also is give it a three and a half pretty stars. boring. Well, points, but I also think know? that, yeah, but it's fair. an important movie and it will be an important and it will movie be an moving important forward. Movie. I, you know what? You know what it is. Not to get emotional. I told I told Justin about this last night. But I think the thing that I connected with, with Skin and Rank immediately when I saw it is that it reminds me, I don't know if this is what Kyle Edward Ball was intending. It feels to me like the story of a kid who, kids who are processing their parents' divorce. Sure. Uh, and sure. I know that when I was because of one key scene, exactly, yeah. and then a lot of waiting around and like thinking, and then and, and then walking in and seeing the unseen mom just right, slaying right. on a bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, not to get too personal, but I remember having dreams like that, mm-hmm. like dreams where I would be in a dark hole. Yeah. Or I remember I had a dream when I was on a train in a dark hole right after my parents divorced. Yeah, and I'd have dreams like that all the time, like the feeling of being powerless, the feeling right. like your life is falling apart, like there's and no escape. There's no escape, and you're four years old, you don't know what to do. See, for me, it was that felt like it was normal, and I didn't realize it wasn't normal until I was much older, ah, because my parents yeah. never liked each other. Yeah, that's fair. From from day one, like I never, because I guess you don't have like a real grasp of what the nuclear family is, yeah. the mother, the father, the two kids, until you're like older. Because when I was growing up it was like okay these are just two adults who both look after me one more so than the other and Mm. they just don't really like each other they don't like being around each other never saw them be warm towards each other or anything like that so like the scene in Skinamarink where you go up and you see like a room where someone is kind of hunched over and like staring at the wall and stuff like like you said was like Mm. these are childhood memories that are being kind of translated into this new format and that yeah and uh, that key line of you know, mommy and daddy love you very much. Mm-hmm. Is, I remember sitting here watching it with y'all. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. that's the mo-. like for me. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that's the movie. Yeah. Um. It, it feels like it's, you know, these kids. Uh, 
like you said, dealing with, and uh, I mean, not that any, not that Jane Schoenbrunn's read isn't also very interesting um, from their perspective, but that's what it, it felt like to me is um, that you can easily see the sort of ways in which loss and 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 the feeling of being lost and that sort of like absence is portrayed in the movie yeah. and so um and like your life is like i mean it's it's kind of a cool simple conceit which is like the windows and doors are the conceit are is amazing it's awesome it's it's, it's it's like all this like i'm sorry to interrupt you no, great horror movies always just have like conceits that like you can kind of just like pop out there and mm-hmm. someone can be like, wait, almost like an elevator pitch that. thing. Yeah. A yeah, cabin yeah. in the woods, a serial killer is on the loose. Uh, two you know, kids are in a house. Their two kids are, are in a house. And a then a disembodied voice starts talking to them. Like that's all you need. It's yeah. like, I'm sold. I, I want to see what happens. Even, even on that note, I rewatched, I didn't rewatch the whole movie, but I went through certain scenes just to refresh myself. Um, <laughs> certain big moments that I remembered rather, uh, cause there aren't necessarily scenes, uh, per se, but, I was even wondering if there are points where the demon or the skinnamarink or whatever could also be a stand-in for the parents, right? Like, it's there's times where it's giving them instruction and it's, like, telling them what to yeah. do. When and, and when your parents divorce, as I, I mean, I didn't go through this, but I imagine there's part of you that vilifies your parent mm-hmm. for whichever one you're with for separating from the other And when you experience trauma, family members kind of start to eat each other alive. Exactly. When when my brother died, I mean, that was the most I've ever fought with other family members, which is ironic because we just experienced a loss. That should bring But what that does to you is start to make you, like, fight one another because you've been, like, I guess, faced with this, you know... What's indescribable you, kind of well well sure like something beyond your comprehension but but also you're kind of faced with your own mortality and like sure. well, if i could die tomorrow then you know i have these other people here who i'm not so happy with yeah. or i guess this isn't a completely formulated thought no, but, no, but no, you, no. we didn't you, think skin rink would bring us here yeah no, but, yeah yeah no but, but, but i think it's in the i think it's there but it it, it makes sense yeah. that like that would manifest as like the thing putting bad ideas in like a kid's yes. head after yeah. they go through a divorce or a death or something. Yeah. Like family members start to get kind of nasty towards each other yeah. and they put and bad ideas in a child's mind. And to that exact point, there's that scene where uh, the little boy is asking where his sister went, and the demon tells him she wanted to see her mom and dad, so mm-hmm. I took her mouth. And again, that seems like a thing that like the sort of like vindictive punishment of a parent yeah. or the way that a child would perceive yeah, my, my mom this idea. Stop would, asking would, me about where your mother is. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. My mom would That's get pissed read. off when I was nice to my dad. That was the thing. If mm. I was ever nice to him or I said like, dad, I love you or something, I would get alone with my mom. And she'd be like, I can't believe you said I love you. Yeah. To him, you know, mm. that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like a parent getting mad that you're still showing affection towards the divorcee. You yeah, know? it's 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 really I, I hadn't even thought about it being that literal. But you guys really that's a really good read. I think, you know, in the ending, when when to go along with your point, Justin, when they're like, let's go play like another game now or something, mm-hmm. wherever they say, can we watch something happy? now? Yeah. It, oh. in, in the TV. I mean, I remember, geez, like I remember being at my dad's house. I had a I had a weekend dad. God bless him. Mm. And he would let me do whatever I wanted. So I, you know, I could, he gave me a TV in my bedroom and I would just watch yeah. old cartoons watch all night. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I watched the Flesher Superman cartoons, but my dad bought me this like, like DVD with like, um, with like old, old Warner Brothers cartoons. I remember when mm-hmm. I finally got like a TV with a VHS player. Dude. And I could watch Alien at like 1 a.m. Dude, I, my, uh, my, my R-rated movie that I would watch would be like, Terminator Two, <laughs> Terminator was one of them, um, uh, but but yeah, but like just the idea of waking up in the middle of the night. But also, I mean, intellectually, intellectual aside, like Skimmerink is really good at 
what most analog horror things are, which is pinpointing a visceral fear. Yes. Which mm. is like the, the reason, back of the neck sensation. Back of the neck sensation. Sure. Like like back of the mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you look at these emotions and thoughts that we're pulling out of our subconscious <laughs> now. That this movie kind of was a blank slate for us to project things on. I mean, you know? every kid has that experience of waking up in the middle of the night not wanting to go and pee mm-hmm. because right. of something is out there. Sure. Something. Like, I don't know what it is. We don't know what the Skinnamarick monster right. looks yeah. like. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but we know you, you that... You know, slasher movies banked on the idea that, that, you know, that everybody has where you're in a public space yeah. and you're like someone... Or you're in private, mm. someone's watching yeah. you. you know? and, and there might be someone right outside my door listening in or looking at me through my window or something. You yeah. Know? Yeah, the Real mo- fears that have to manifest. The, the scariest thing is the thing you don't know. It's like right, the, thing, the unknown. Yeah. The, dark, the darkness at the other end. But, but, and you know. uh, what's his name? Cthulhu had ass. What's that guy's <laughs> name? H.P. Lovecraft. You know, yeah. that, that was his whole brand. Although you think he, he would have liked, he was kind of racist. You think he would have liked Skinnamarink? No, too many gay people. Well, right? well it, it was that it was that he was actually a bigot, and that was his fear of the unknown. Yeah, but, right. you know, yeah, it, it is a general rule of thumb yeah. that's useful. You yeah, know, it's the true. Fear of the unknown. I've started to read those Lovecraft stories, and yeah. it's like those Negroes. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, man. Well, yeah. So that's the unknown that you were afraid yeah, of? Okay. Yeah, he's like Jews and black <laughs> yeah. people. <laughs> what were you saying, though, about uh, uh, the end? Um, well, well, just like the ending of, of, you know, let's go play another game now. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, damn. I can do anything. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll say that, though. That's a really fun thing to do. I remember when we were watching it, and then you were standing in the kitchen, and you went, just <laughs> it's like, like the, yeah. the movie's I, fun. I, I don't know. I, 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 you know what it is. I think Skinnamarink. Some. I think actually the director of Outwaters, in his review of Skinnamarink on on Letterbox, which is really just like, hey, that my buddy made a movie, mm-hmm. but but was like, hey, the fact that Skinnamarink, a fifteen thousand dollar feature, was that it was that much. Yeah, that was wow. funded by Steven Spark. Got because we can like you can go online and look at the Skinnamarink Steven Spark video. Yeah. Like it completely got funded from Seed and Spark. Yeah, yeah. You got to pay those parents of those kids. <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, those kids okay. are barely on screen. Uh, the fact that that movie got wide theatrical release it means like movies aren't. Yeah, fucked. amazing. It means movies aren't fucked. Like, like I know it's easy to get apocalyptic about when's, movies. When's the next yeah. time you're gonna see like something that avant garde, like playing in like it's a an experimental. It's, a, you know? it's an experimental an movie. It was playing in an AMC. What? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, and it's easy to feel like we were just spent like 20 minutes shitting on Marvel. And like, of course, we like like the Marvel movies uh, if we're not exhausted by them. But I think there is something cool about like a film that's just a guy and his crew Mm -hmm. made a scary movie and it got wide theatrical release. It's like, fuck, like movie, maybe movies are not dead. (laughs) You know what I mean? Movies that are that like kind of cheap and kind of like scraping all your sense together and like the bottom of your fucking pocket and stuff to (laughs) to put something together for a bunch of people to watch, they always have this like edge to it. You know, if Terrifier 2 was made by a massive studio, that movie would not have been a fifth of the level of insane <laughs> as the finished product is just being like a $160,000 budget. You know? Yeah. Um, the, the indies are, indies are scrappy and indies have an edge to them and you can't really get these things from watching a big studio tentpole movie. Like it, hopefully Skinnamarink made people want to go and explore. Like apparently he's a uh, low budget movie movies has coming been completely out. funded. Caliber balls. Yeah. He made two million it? dollar box office off of this, so that's obvious. I thought it was more. He doubled and tripled it. Sh- yeah. Shit, yeah, like yeah. goddamn. Well, I should hope so, because sixteen k for a movie is. Like I mean, nothing. not a lot of movies make sixteen k. Yeah, make sixteen k. Yeah, man. Limited release. How much do you think Two Leslie made? Like five dollars. I think it at least made like half its budget or something. I don't know about that. Man. What was its budget? Like two mil. I can look it up. Two, what's two? It's, it's for us. It was it's under. Us. It was under a mil. 
Really? Okay. It was under a mil to make. I almost watched that the other and night. And it was 31,000. I love Andrea Rice. Nice. So it didn't even make a fraction okay. of it. Okay, well, there back. you go. Tough. Well, they're probably glad that they got it out there, at least. Yeah. If I was a producer and my movie wasn't, you know, the most financially successful thing, I would still be happy that, like, we got something into the ether. Mm-hmm. And whoever it's for, they'll enjoy it. And that's a movie for them, you know. Are you guys, uh, any other particular insights or questions that you guys have? In this house. <laughs> In this uh, house. About this house. On this podcast. Congrats to you, Kyle Edward Ball. Yeah, man. man. Yeah. You're, Give it you're up. definitely an inspiration. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, Dan has always talked about trying to make the media more, more of a platform for indie filmmakers. Sure. I think, like, I don't know. It, you know, however you feel about Skidmark Rank, a lot of people are like, Skidmark's not scary, and that's fine. The, the thing is, but it's it's the whole, like, I'm too cool for the Blair Witch Project that's thing. That's cool. Where like, it's like, well, I could have made this with my friends in my backyard. You could have. So why cool. didn't you? <laughs> that's you know, cool, but, that's cool. but isn't that fucking cool? That, like, yeah, you could have yeah. made it? Yeah. Like, that's really cool. That like, was that was why I was so in love with all those, like, early low-budget... Like, when I first saw The Evil Dead as a kid, that blew my fucking mind. Dude, that was, a I was like, wait, film. He, he, he made this for how much? At what age? With what crew? <laughs> and and the p- script was how long? Yeah, and it's this successful like iconic movie. I don't know. I always find that fucking encouraging, man. Like yeah, someone me too. slipped through. Me too. Like it's it's never like for me. It's never like a rebel oh, without a crew. I could have made this. It's like oh, I could make. That's this. why yeah. Robert Rodriguez should yeah. should be studied by like everybody who's interested in Dude, getting into it. filmmaking. Uh, no, maybe it no, should. but for real. But I, I know we're. I watched El Mariachi again the other day. I was like, it's like, fucking you good. Could tell it was my one mom guy loves that movie. Everything. I love that movie. You could tell it was like one guy doing everything but that's like part of the but, appeal of it you here's know? the thing it's so nifty robert rodriguez come on the show uh, i fucking but, love but, you but i read stop hanging out with tarantino yeah, you're way cooler than please, please, please. You're but, way but, cooler. but rebel without a crew dude i read that book me too the month before i went to film school oh not no well not then but i read it a while ago <laughs> no but i, I and i and I, I i grew up loving robert rodriguez i love sin yeah. city i love just i love sin city too i love desperado desperado's great i mean i don't know We've gotten off the trail. Uh, no, I think I think I, I think this is all part of the yeah. same kind of lineage, you know. Like, like Caliber Ball is going to be mentioned within the same pantheon of these like no budget guys NBA who like guys, make yeah. something of themselves. And then you know? Caliber Ball will make Nightmare on Elm Street, the reawakening or something, and, and we'll be like Kyle, be where he like sold out. Maybe who knows? But <laughs> I mean, I would make a Nightmare. Well, movie. I think um, just no, me too. But like, who knows if if. The studio circuit is as friendly to a guy like that as yeah. it is to mm. you know other household names. I think to tie it into um, an episode that Dan and I uh, and Zach did, you know, when we were talking about American movie, right, and just mm-hmm. talking about like and bad taste, of course, but looking at how By the difficult. Way, you guys said I only bring punishing movies onto the show. That is so not fucking true. <laughs> I, I think the most punishing movie we've the most punishing movie we've ever done on the show is Rob Zombie's Halloween and that was a year of fucking pick. You know what? What's a punishing movie that I've brought on? Possession, but we'll get Possession. to it. Just one, so you have one. No, that's not true. <laughs> a movie that's very fun that's and silly in a lot of ways. But we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. We're going to go through it. Repo Man is not, you know. No, but Repo Man is the reason why you do this to us. No, it's not. Hellraiser was a lot of fun. Holy Mountain's a lot of fun. Holy Mountain's fun. But but to but to to finish what I was saying is just that um it you know always kind of being reminded of the difficulty of making movies sure. right and when you look at someone like um please remind me the name of the American movie subject um Mark Mark Borchardt Mark Borchardt Mark Borchardt when you look at someone like Mark Borchardt 
who, yeah, like literally is one of those guys who, who probably looked at a movie and said, I could have done that mm-hmm. and then tried to do the it. Gray skies and dead trees of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. And didn't, and maybe didn't necessarily make it, but then wound up also kind of making it because of this yeah. documentary that's yeah, yeah. about him. It's just, you know, I, I think and just well, the personality. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's definitely important to, to keep that optimism in mind as mm-hmm. much as we can, you know, just cause we're a film analysis podcast and we always have to be cynical um but yeah do you guys want to this kind of thing goes a much longer way than something that costs 300 million that i forget in like two days absolutely absolutely Uh, a movie made for trump change that might be boring here and there but is full of like great ideas and has so many eyes without a face cinematic language eyes without a face brilliant you thought that was a punishing movie? I it's did. just an old school horror. Oh, movie. the French joint. What is yeah. wrong with you? I, I didn't like that. that. That's a great movie. <laughs> I don't like that movie. Something's wrong with you. Okay. I didn't That's like a that very movie. good movie. But we'll we'll. He's we'll... scrolling through our backlog. <laughs> 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 it's actually Every, true. Everybody I go watch I, Eyes Without a Face. I, that's that's the greatest French horror movie. I, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Made. I think it's actually me. I think I have the highest record of punishing. You do. You brought on Rob Zombie's Halloween. I did, and I also brought on Black Narcissus. Okay. And, All right. and Excalibur. And Excalibur. But is long and and Lahine. No, I brought me. on Lahine. Oh, is that you? Yeah. I love Lahine. I love that movie, too. Um, do you guys want to so rate unfa- Unfounded, it's and I, I have defeated the it's accusations. Me. It's me. It's me. <laughs> I'm going to give it five in this house's out of seven skin of Marek's. Five Kevins out of six Kayleys. There you go. <laughs> I'll give it... Um, let's stick to the rating I gave it the first time, which is, uh, I'll say, three uh, toy cell phones. Out of five, three disappearing rabbits. I'll give it. Uh, I love the scene where he's on the phone with the the cop, and it's not really a cop; it's the demon. You yeah, know? So that part's really fun. good. Yeah, I'll give it three and a half. Uh, silly, staying on the phone with the kids, yeah. demons. Yeah, uh, five. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Yeah, it was a good time. Important yeah. movie, even if it isn't Very a important. super entertaining movie, yeah, yeah. and and that's okay to make that distinction. Movies are an art form, you know. Mm. Not all art is entertaining. It's also it's like. And in a parallel universe, Skin Rank is just like a really cult experimental horror movie that yeah. some kid digs up at 30. S- sometimes it's a burden to go really mainstream because then you're like, then the, you know, critic consensus, you get a bunch of normies reviewing the movie and they kind of tank <laughs> the score. It's the yeah. great witch issue, which is like, if the witch was uh, like a really indie movie, it would have been, I mean, people love the witch, but a lot yeah. of people went to see the witch and were like, this the, is boring. Yes, yes, that was my experience. I saw the witch on a date in high school and a bunch of kids were like running up and down the aisles and like throwing stuff and like recording each other and making fun of the movie and shit. <laughs> So that was and my Robert, experience. Robert Eggers is in the side uh, just writing in yeah. his leather-bound journal. Because <laughs> the trailer was like, it's so scary, and like stuff's constantly happening. Like yeah. you, you have to see it, you know? It's a popcorn movie, and then you get this slow period drama. But yeah. anyways. Um, I like The Witch, too. I love that movie. Good I movie. Like the Witch. Love it. Uh, we'll take our second break and then come back to discuss Dan's pair pick for this episode, Possession. It must be some shit you suck on. <laughs> Now she knows her limits. Now she knows I can do this. I can be better. I can be the best. That's why I'm with you. Because you say podcast for me. (laughs) Because you say podcast for me. All right. uh, We're talking about the movie (laughs) Possession from 1981. This is Andrzej Zalowski's only English language film. Uh, This is a director whose um, work kind of fell into like 
copyright, you know, yeah. uh, obscurity and stuff. Possession for the longest time was this movie that was deemed to be like among the great horror classics, yeah. but for but such no a long time, you couldn't find it. Because the uh, copyright was like different from like country to country, mm-hmm. but all we knew was that in America, past a certain year, you could they were no longer printing DVDs, like you yeah. couldn't find it. Streaming yeah, I, anywhere I, I once remember, the advent of streaming happened. I remember know? my first year at film school, the DVD for Possession was like $70. Mm-hmm. Like I eventually got a Blu-ray, like I know a foreign Blu-ray, and it cost a lot of money. Um, but but yeah, it, it, Possession was like one of these movies where if you had seen it, you were like in the cool kids club. Yeah. He also did The Devil, right? Which was well, he, he did a movie called um, On the Silver Globe, yeah. which I've always wanted to see, and that is actually getting like a U.S. Uh, redistribution Why hasn't Criterion deal. sorted this shit out and just gotten his Cri- Because his... copyright is difficult, man. You know, like so. like every time something enters a new format, you have to take out new copyright laws, and I I really don't know what I'm talking about, but I know that like with certain yeah, things, copyright laws, copyright is hard. And what happened was Metrograph got the rights back to it and and decided to make it like their exclusive like in theater like movie that they showed all the time. Metrograph is like the hot girl of movie theaters in New York. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> Metrograph is like the girl who lives in the village and listens to Red yeah, Scare yeah. and smokes cigarettes. And you're like, you're like, I could bag that girl. And you start talking to her, you're like, no, I can't. She, <laughs> she quotes <laughs> Marks and stuff. And all right, this joke is over. Um, <laughs> but uh, possession, one, it, it was, one it was day one Metrograph these... will let the me, uh, the medium work program for them. Yeah. Yeah. One day. Possession was one of these like genre essentials that was just so hard to come by and by the time i finally saw this i was uh the it was like a year and a half ago or maybe like maybe even like two years ago now i have like no idea but when it was like finally showing at metrograph it was like holy shit like people are seeing possession now Mm -hmm. like uh, people have been like meaning to see this movie for like such a long time uh and now it's got like 40k logs on leatherbox or something like that whereas before the rights were solved and like only a few people had seen it I think they only have like 5K, maybe less mm-hmm. reviews on there. Um, and now it's like, I mean, it has like a 4.1, right? Yeah. Which puts it in like the top 10 highest rated horror movies yeah, I ever think, made. Yeah, I, I think last year once it became a more, like because last year then Shudder got the rights to it, Metrograph yeah, yeah, yeah. was streaming it and showing it. Alamo is now showing it mm-hmm. right now. It, well, back in the day, it was one of those big midnight movies. Yeah. You know, it was like, you know, Eraserhead types and Rocky Horror types it's, it's and so, stuff like it's that. It's so weird, you know, and this is tangential, but I'll, I'll come back, I promise. I feel like New York... Maybe this has always been the case, but New York has such an interesting film watching Screen community. culture. Yeah. yeah, because it's like... Because it's a walkable city, yeah, it's and like a LA. lot of production happens here, so they know that people are just interested who live here, like, more more so yeah. uh, it's, it's disproportionately like, to, like, other places. Whenever I've been to L.A., it's been like, we make movies here. Like, we mm-hmm. shoot movies here, we do writers from But in New York, it's, but like New York it's all about, here. like, hey, there's this obscure yeah. Spencer Tracy yeah, yeah, yeah. movie from Showing at the Roxy. Yeah. Showing at the Roxy at 9 p.m. Cinema Village is showing these underground yeah. J horror movies yeah. that nobody's ever seen past like nineteen. And it's always like, and it's always like you're going to a theater. It's like either a theater or it's a nightclub. Like it yeah. looks like <laughs> like descending that's, into that's hell. That's literally what Metrograph is. You yeah. walk in there and it's all supermodels like yeah. working at the counter and stuff, <laughs> and you're just kind of in sweats. Like where the fuck? This is a movie theater. Like, what's going it's on? Like Dan and I always go in there and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two tickets to Akira, please. <laughs> and then the guy, the guys at the counter, like, uh, and he like rolls his eyes and like prints out their t- yeah, tickets. It, it, for it's us. it's so interesting. But I mean, to wrap this up, it's it's like um. You know, I mean, Possession is a movie I'd always heard about. It's a movie the cool kids at my film school would tell me about. You know, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. 
um, is that if Metrograph is like the hot girl movie theater, IFC is like the schlubby like uncle who's been like unemployed for like five years movie theater <laughs> and is always like, hey, you want to watch Night of the Living Dead at midnight? You want to watch Eracerhead yeah. at 4 a.m.? You know? And, and Alamo is like my drunk dad. Yeah. Alamo's yeah. like, hey, kiddos, you know, just come over here. here. There's no problem. You're too fucking loud. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm on the phone with my bitch of an ex-wife. <laughs> Eat these chicken tenders I got you. You want to watch Thor the Dark World or what? <laughs> You're like, okay. You were, you were saying. Uh, Possession was the cool movie. And mm-hmm. then, like all the cool French kids at my school who were doing film were like, yeah, it's Possession. Yes. It became like the hot goth girl movie for a while. I, I, well, I remember you would I know. used to be seeing this girl and I went over to her house and she had a fucking big Possession poster, like an uh, old vintage one that it must have cost an arm and a leg. Yeah, it's a movie that'll find its niche for sure. That uh, I already have. Um, so right off the bat, this this movie starts in like in kind of the Argento like um, Giallo movie style. It's just like a synthy score yeah. and and like mm-hmm. a just it would like not bland but like a, a very just like here's the movie. Matter like, of this fact, is the typeface. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, Samuel shows up to his apartment. He used to be this like ex spy, or I guess he is still kind of a spy, but he's trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn later on in the movie that the corporation that he works for has been like scheming against him. Yeah. Although it might be kind of hard to follow that because there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first time I, when I, when I watched this last night, I looked on the internet after and, and discovered that subplot yeah, yeah. i was like oh that is what's happening yeah. so okay. so what happens is he shows up to see his wife who hasn't he hasn't seen in like more than a year at that point and you'll notice he he picks up his suitcase his bags puts and he puts down. them down Makes, like yeah. five or six times it's a lot of time it's it's this whole like am i really home thing like what is home like the people here don't like me so like where am I calling home? I, I remember when I was um, in my dorm room in college and I would go home and like my mom and brother like moved back in with my dad and it mm. was like volatile there, yeah. mm. like really crazy and like people saying vulgar things and like shouting matches and stuff. So I was like, I don't know if this is home. I think yeah. my dorm room is home, you know, to go back to my fast. dorm room. Gonna... You know, th- this, this whole like you go home to see your family after a long time and it's like things have changed and it, it doesn't feel like it used to, you know, yeah. am I home or am I not home? And there's all these visual motifs happening in the movie that kind of signal division their apartment is literally right outside of the berlin wall yeah so every time you see out a window in this movie or there's a point where sam neill's character goes to isabella johnny's apartment where she's keeping that monster and he notices that like it smells like foul and rancid Mm -hmm. so he exits and is like throwing up over the balcony Mm. and what zalowski does is very interesting he racks to the berlin wall right behind him and then racks back Mm -hmm. So there, there's constantly, like, you know... A reference uh, to this. To, you know, like, something being kind of, like, cut off or segregated in mm. a way. And, and you know, these these visual motifs of division. I mean, power lines and, and the opening, like, montage of the movie. Or lots, mm-hmm. of, lots of focus on, like, power lines, like, cutting the frame in half and stuff. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Zulowski's first English... La- only English language movie, which I think... I uh, already said, but it's interesting what he's doing with language in this Mm. because there's moments of dialogue in this movie that feel like they're just prose, you know, like, like this would be something you would read from like a French poet. It is adapted from a novel. Is it? it No, it's, it's it's about Zalowski's divorce. 
It's about Zelensky divorce and his personal relationship with Berlin. When he was a kid, Berlin was getting bombed by Winston Churchill all the time. So the movie actually ends with the city being bombed again once the doubles finally meet each other. I think the doubles are very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Each party creates a more perfect version of their spouse. Sam Neill projects a more perfect version of Isabella Johnny onto the school teacher. Mm -hmm. She has red hair and green eyes and stuff, and maybe that's not how she really looks, but in his mind's eye, it looks like a more perfect version of his wife who's less you know abrasive towards their child yeah. and, and is more actually can warm connect to sweet yeah yeah and isabella johnny of course spends the entire movie forming a more perfect version of sam, sam neil and then once those doubles actually meet in the final shot of the movie yeah. where he's right outside the door and she's on the other side the city like starts to get bombed yeah which which is so interesting it's like no matter what no matter what body they inhabit if they're a doppelganger or a tulpa or whatever it may be these two people are incompatible mm. you know is it cheating is it cheating if you fuck the same neil double and you're no it's the no, okay. same guy right yeah it's fine i wouldn't feel bad i'd be like oh she's fucking another version of me. it's an interesting question um it's the old everything everywhere all at once question <laughs> yeah. uh should we talk about the emasculation? Sure. Because I, I think the character of Heinrich is one of the funniest movie characters. Yeah, that's like he's ever. really funny. He is so much fucking you, you, fun. You just watch that guy perform. And when like, he shows up I in the movie. I want. When he I shows up content in, with myself. <laughs> when he shows up in the movie, I texted Justin and said, oh, this is silly. Yeah, it's very silly. And Justin was like, oh, I, I knew you were going to enjoy it. It's a movie yeah. in a lot of yeah. fucking ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the um, point where he shows up to Sam Neill's door and then he's spinning around yeah, and like yeah, yeah. hit bouncing the off the walls. And the camera is like following him. Yeah, yeah. like he's on ecstasy or he something. He goes, why don't you like me? And he's like putting his hands over his face <laughs> and stuff. Um, I think it's really funny that in any other movie, the other guy, as it were, is probably like tougher or like more masculine or whatever sure. it is. Whereas in this movie, Sam Neill feels emasculated because the other guy's like more sophisticated than he is, right. like more poetic, yeah. which I think yeah, is like yeah. really fucking funny. Still beats his ass though. It's <laughs> it's so much like a product of like a guy who has probably been cuckolded writing a screenplay and like portraying the other guys this like Pansy. just fancy yeah. like weirdo. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like hardly even in the same universe as the other characters who are inhabiting yeah. the space. Um, <laughs> once he finally, once we finally get a scene, the first scene in the entire movie of him alone with Anna is when she like plans on killing him. Right. And I don't know what to make of that. We yeah. don't see them having like a normal affair up until that point. By yeah. that point, she's really possessed. Yeah. She's like heaving and stuff, and he's trying to give her coke. Yeah. And she leads him into the room to see the monstrosity. Yeah. And she starts cutting him. Uh, I forget what she says in that scene, but it's it's like so good. Some of the dialogue in this really, really sticks with me. Yeah. Like yeah. when she's talking about the two sisters, Faith and Chance, uh-huh. and one represents the regular Anna and one represents the possessed Anna. Uh, Faith is normal Anna and Chance is the Anna that's kind of succumbing to the possession. uh, And what does she say? I had to give Faith a chance so that my chance could kill my Faith or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? I think I remember that, yeah. I um, I actually wanted to talk about the performances a bit um, because they're... They were so up and down for me, along mm-hmm. with the writing. Like there were times that everything I felt, is dialed to a ten. Yeah, but there there were there were times that I felt that it was like strange, and then I was like, okay, well, it's probably intentional. Yeah. And then there were times where it did feel quite human, like the scene where they're sitting in the in the cafe and they're not looking at each other. That whole argument they have about Bob and all that stuff, and then Sam Neill like starts roaring and Will throwing you keep chairs. Keep the apartment if you allow me to. Yeah. 
What about it's, Bob? That's the Pinterness of it, right? You mentioned it's like a Pinterest play. It, with it, Sunday it, Daddy. Is, it is like a horror version of a Pinterest play. Sure. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I kept thinking you know, about like scenes from a marriage, yeah, Cronenberg yeah. or but, something. But I mean, like, Pinter has a has a, a plot that's actually exactly like this, which is the lover. Where oh, it's like where it. it's like a wife has an affair with a man. Yeah. And so you see the husband come in, you see the man come in. And then about halfway through the play you realize the husband is just role playing uh-huh. as the as the lover. Uh-huh. And he's jealous that she likes the lover persona more. Sure, uh-huh. sure. Which is very similar to like this woman making another a double, same meal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and, and and just to 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 tidy up um what I was saying about, about, the, performances. about the performances is that like there's th- that scene where they're in the house, w- one of the many arguments they have in the house, uh, but it's the one, um, it's like, it's, <laughs> I don't think it's the one, where, it's not the one where she cuts herself, it's before that, um, with, with, the, with the knife. Where but, he smacks her a bunch of times? I think it might, yes, it's you right. You know what this is for? The lies. Yes. Then so, you'll have to do much more. more than that. <laughs> yeah. So before that, I'm watching it, and I'm, it's again, it's this mixed bag, because I'm kind of enjoying, like, uh, Isabella Johnny's is. Isabella Johnny's Fuhrer. I was I just wrote this down. It feels like she's giving like an inverse performance of Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Sure. Not yeah, that that's true. a good but way to put like it. It's like where sure. where Shelley Duvall is like t- the total like effeminate fear. Mouse, now yeah. she's like this total like rage and wrathful yeah, yeah. woman scorn type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost feels like you know on Twitter every every like six months or three months even someone is like post a a, a, a good scene of people arguing. Where it's and they'll not post just a the, shouting match or whatever. It, it feels like a, a shouting match. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Sometimes it does feel like that. And usually when they post like the marriage story scene, it's like, okay, this looks like bad acting because you're stripping it from the context. Right. But the thing about possession is that you never really see them trying to suppress it. It's immediately at 10. They just can't stand each other. the first scene where there's already that wall between them. And then once they start cohabiting, it's like you can't fake it with somebody anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like I I can play like, Mm. you know. Polite. Brother, son, who's polite, whatever. But it's mm. like once I'm trapped in the space with someone, and it's like we're not getting along. It's like there's going to be. A it fight, is what it you know is. Know yeah. You know. You know what's so interesting about it too is like it, it felt a lot like the inverse of Skin and Rank in a lot of ways, where that's a quiet movie that feels like it's in the aftermath of sure of a, a quiet movie about kids versus a yeah. loud movie. Well, a loud parents. movie about the parents yeah. breaking up, mm-hmm. where the kid is like a non-entity. Yeah. <laughs> where they, they're like, the what are you going to What are they going to do about they, my kid? And the, the kid's just kid, the kid seems almost like keenly aware of what's happening though, in a way that's like decept deceptive. He is very afraid of the doubles meeting each other. Yeah. And I think he's met the the monster that Isabel Johnny has created. And, I, and obviously he knows his teacher that Sam Neill is beginning to have an affair with. And if he knows like his parents like together, that's like a you know toxic combination. toxic, sure. Then like imagine these these versions of one another that they've created crossing paths. Yeah. You know, and it's it's so bad that he goes upstairs and drowns himself instead of having to witness what will unfold in yeah. front of him, you know? Yeah. Um no yeah I I think that that is uh that that's something that's interesting. And of you know the movie <laughs> As I was watching it, I, there were definitely parts where I was like, "All right, let's you know, let's you know what I mean." It's it's overwhelming. <laughs> uh, I, I did again like see you know I saw shades of other stuff we've even talked about on the show. It reminded me of Hellraiser actually. Sure. The whole idea of Gothic, bringing men yeah, in yeah, yeah. and killing them and making and, sacrifices yeah. to this thing. And yeah. I think I wa- I was expecting it to become a more literal thing of her being like, "I am specific." I guess it is pretty explicit that she's killing these men mm. and that yeah. 
she is yeah feeding it or whatever or compiling them into it it's almost like a frankenstein he's very tired he made (laughs) made love love to to me all night night. (laughs) i was like what are we doing (laughs) get me out of here that scene is fucking scary yeah um but it's uh the scene where they come in and she's fucking the squid man. Almost, I was like, I was like, cinema. Almost. <laughs> it's like wrapped around her thigh with its tail. Yeah, I, I did have to. Uh, I was riding that forward ten seconds button. Oh during, come on, during dude. her uh, no, during her uh, subway meltdown. Really, I know that. Oh, I was a big fan. I was a big fan. I was a big fan. I love that. She starts like excreting whatever that shit is. I was like, great. Well, I think there's a hose. So they have her hair parted, and then I think there's a hose going over both of her ears and spraying it down her shoulders. In addition to a capsule being in her in mouth. her mouth, yeah, that and just a perfect like mesh of like performance and effects and like atmosphere. Like it takes place in like an empty subway station. Yeah. Whereas if you know me, that shit unnerves me. Yeah. When I'm on like a subway platform and there's no one around me and you just hear like kind of the electric like um, mm-hmm. humming you know, of ambience the lights. and yeah. stuff. It's like that's that's like an unnerving yeah. atmosphere. And there's lots of great horror movies that have scenes in subway American stations. Werewolf. American Werewolf, Maniac, mm-hmm. where he scalps the lady in the subway and stuff. Um, I think like of all the places to have that meltdown take place, like public transit is like very inspired. Yeah. Um, what was up what with the dance scene? The fuck- I'm sorry. Oh, when she says, because you say I to me. Yeah, that Heinrich, Heinrich uh, you know, gives her confidence that Sam Neill was not giving her. But I think she's actually not speaking to Heinrich. I think she's speaking to this creation of hers when she when she talks. Oh, so to Heinrich the is the one who's filming. He's filming, yeah. Her and, and actually, dance. the movie doesn't establish that she's a ballet teacher until, until that like scene. The end, yeah. No, until that scene. Well, it's near the watching end, the, isn't it? It's like it's like forty it's minutes like away halfway. from the end. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Where she's like helping the person, the kid with the leg, and the kid is screaming. She's abusing her yeah. and, and like ripping her. Uh, what's that called? Yeah. Hamstring, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Come yeah. on, I mean. Ballet, it's tough. Yeah, it's fucking. Th- well, th- the thing is that she's so brutal to that kid, and then she goes to the other kid, and she's so like nice to the other yeah. kid. Suspiria. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Guadagnino Suspiria definitely takes some. Some. I know that like Gaspar Noé is big on this movie. Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm, I'm guessing. Guad- I mean, I've, Guad- I've, Guad- I've, I've seen climax. Yeah. I've seen climax. <laughs> He's got I, the possession yeah. VHS tape, and yeah. also the the Suspiria. floating camera. Where yeah, the camera's yeah, floating yeah, behind yeah. the other. So person. immaculately shot. That scene where they're where they're kind of doing I, I'm a sucker for like either it's a steady camera or it's a dolly where they're just looping around the desk with Sam Neill mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a sucker for no, like I love that uh, shit. Uh, it looks really Kubrickian at points. It it does, and also it looks like um McQueen. I don't know if McQueen likes possession, probably does, but Steve McQueen has a great shot from Widows mm-hmm. where Kaluuya is going to shoot those two guys and it's a similar anaconda. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, as they're freestyling? Yeah, as they're freestyling. Yeah, I, I, I did appreciate um, quite a bit of the cinematography in this. Mm-hmm. There was some weird sound sync stuff going on in the first like 25, 30 minutes, yeah. but I, I found that it was a really nice in, uh, fusion of like there's static shots and there's some handheld yeah. stuff yeah. that I didn't expect to see when there's moments that it makes sense to go handheld. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's the first time you see this movie it's so overwhelming and <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to take in and then you watch again and watch it again and the visual motifs start to speak to you more than ever before mm. when Sam Neill first gets into that big volatile cantankerous fight with Isabella Johnny and he's kind of like growing like a five o'clock shadow and yeah. he's not eating and then he comes out of his room and his kid is like covered in strawberry jam yeah. and like playing with the boat and stuff and he goes to clean up his son Wes you listening <laughs> he goes to clean up his son and he takes his shirt off and there's a shot from behind the kid where Sam Neill is just kind of bracing him yes and looking holding at his, his son. body and you you know this is where his performance is maybe at its most subtle because 
you, we project, I think, onto, onto his expression. Look at this thing I created with this other person who no longer can stand me. You know, mm-hmm. like, regardless of my relationship with that person, however it deteriorated, like, this is my son. Like, yeah. I created this thing and he's standing in front of me like this is a part of me. This is my child. Yeah. You know, it's it's this recurring visual motif because later in the movie, he's trying to settle down as Bella Johnny. He takes her shirt off and it's the same framing. It's behind her yeah. back. And he is he's his bracing hands. her again. Yeah. He's bracing her again. And mm. it's like this family that, you know, wants to heal so badly. But mm. there's just this barrier, you know, and and they can't get through these things with language. You know, she says at one point, maybe I can't say it. Maybe it's too hard to say. Maybe I'm too stupid to say it. Mm. But we see through the visual language of the movie at every turn, they keep trying to heal later in the movie. When Samuel kills Heinrich, and Bella Johnny kills that woman in the cast who wanted to sleep with Sam Neill. Yes. She comes out of the elevator, she's covered in blood. Yes. He carries her back up to the apartment, they put her in that body bag, and then she's bracing him again. It's mm-hmm. the third time we see that visual motif mm-hmm. of her bracing him. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's like anytime something really significant happens, one of those family members just wants to be close to one another, mm-hmm. but they can't figure out a way to do it or a way to say it, like it goes beyond language. Yeah. You know, it's it's just our bodies in this space and how can we fix this thing that's so fucked up? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's 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 cl- very clearly, like, I, mean, th- I guess this is a divorce episode. It's very clearly, like, I mean, uh, in the horror movie way of being about, like... Yeah, we chose two horror movies about I mean, divorce, it, I you guess. Know, uh, but, but, like, being about, you know, the ugliness of it. Like, like I think people who don't have parents that fight uh, or haven't had parents that fight. Look all at all my those. friends growing up when I'd go over to their house yeah. and their parents were like, "Hey, like what's like, going on?" I was like, "You guys are like this all the time." That's funny. I don't. <laughs> you all like. I don't each have other? any. Justin's my first friend whose parents are together. Yeah. That's a joke, but it's the truth. Uh, <laughs> but but might but, tell you a joke and never tell you a lie. <laughs> uh, um, but 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 the this idea that like um, these parents are so nasty with each other, I'm sure it feels foreign if you don't know what that looks like. Like yeah. like yeah. when yeah. they when they're so operatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to exactly. Each other. Like my parents never got that nasty, but I but I know, th- I know parents, that exists. My yeah. parents, I, I, yeah, I've they, been on, they would break stuff, and yeah, I've been no. on the phone with someone, and in the background, her parents start fighting. Yeah, and I remember being like, "Are you?" And she was unfazed. Was this was a girl like, you were dating? No, no, she was a friend of mine at the time, and we oh, were on shit, Skype or Uvu, whatever we were using. Uvu, uh, yeah, man, remember Uvu, uh, Uvu Jopper? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And her parents, yeah, just just take off in the background. I don't see them, but I hear their voices, and it's very clearly like they're fighting. vitriolic. Yeah. And I'm like, "Are you good?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." Almost as if, "Why would you ask?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm good. And it, isn't and our, isn't everyone's family like this? Right. Or? Yeah. No, I I think that's definitely as as much as it might feel overwhelming well, in well, the process think, of watching it. Zulewski it does... is going for surrealism, and in that a lot too, of ways. for sure. The dialogue is very surreal. Like the characterization of like Heinrich and stuff is very surreal. <laughs> the plot of the movie is very surreal. It's opaque it, almost. It's, <laughs> it's this, you know, like conspiracy is playing out where Sam Neill has to like fight against his organization at the same time his wife's, you know, creation is like reaching its fullest form. And yeah. It turns into this extremely like odd tug of war between sci-fi drama, body horror, and like all of these little flourishes that the movie has makes it completely idiosyncratic. Like, yeah. I can't really make a one-to-one comparison for with possession any with movie. any other sure. movie ever made. Yeah, there are pieces of, of it that feel like they've been pulled idiosyncratic. off, like you said, but it's, and it also, like... And I have new takeaways every time I watch it. Yeah, some of the... It, it can be very jarring in terms of, like, it feels non-linear sometimes, not even just between scenes, but sometimes within the same scene. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll cut at times... 
and like can pick up a conversation from later on, but it also could be like his she first scene with Heinrich. His soul. <laughs> Where has his soul gone? It's, it's left. It's on his body. Yeah. His first scene with Heinrich in the apartment um, feels like any of those scenes could have been placed in any order. Are you going to open the door while I have to break it down? It's unlocked. You can walk right in. <laughs> yeah. the, the Heinrich bit is, is he's just so funny. I wasn't he's sure so if he was going to try to kiss man. him at I first. Think, I think this he's movie, like in love with him. I think like at first, like, oh yeah, like seeing these people argue and stuff, like it's a dark movie. But like in a lot of ways, possession's really fucking funny. Yeah, it's There's really a funny. scene, when he, when he hijacks the taxi and makes the guy like drive yeah. into the, he goes, of course. And yeah. he just like drives into the car. Or when he burns down Heinrich's house and then he like goes yeah. outside to the motorcycle and the woman's just on the street she's like laughing. yeah <laughs> every single person is so like um over the top and yeah. like eccentric in this movie even down to the extras like just the woman yeah. on the street is like going crazy the uh, isabella johnny's like friend that sam neil calls eventually she shows up in the movie and there's a scene and i cannot remember she's trying to sleep with them yeah but yeah. also like he's heading out i, I think, think to go to the apartment i think so yeah He's heading out to go to the apartment, and she's come back in with some groceries, I think, and she just like falls because, down because he says um, it was Anna. Because because it's after is, he gets the call in, in the third act, him and Anna are starting to reach this like bizarre sense of kinship where they've yes. actually they're actually closer at this point than they've been in a long time. Sure. This is because he's covering up her murders. He covers up two of her murders at this point. Yeah. And there's there's and he kills Heinrich. Yeah. So they're yeah. both killing people and they're both starting to reach like this weird understanding. So when he gets the call from her saying, Come meet me at this place, he turns to his kid and says, It's mommy. Yeah. She wants to see me. And yeah. that makes uh Margit is the name of that character. She just like she just faints. Okay, that's just what it is. Um, okay. But it was the end of that scene, and I laughed because yeah. I, I was like, "Why did you fall down?" I, I love that line, by the way, where he's on the phone with Hyrank, and he's like, "The bar around the corner, bleed, bleed a for while. a while. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there as soon as I can." Yeah. yeah, that's really good. And then him, him pleading with Sam Neil to like call the authorities. Yeah. Yeah. I am the wounded I am one. The one who is wounded. <laughs> Sam Neil just bashes Heinrich. his head with that. That is one of the most disgraceful deaths. Uh, oh, I, I love that. I was like, the "Praise the Lord!" <laughs> I was like, "This fucking guy." Yeah. yeah. I kind of felt that. I wanted I, I Heinrich to survive. I love when you see survive. a movie and it's like you can tell they introduced a character it's like to they make died. you hate them and give them such a fucked up death. Just the scapegoat. You know Sam I mean? Neil just hits him with the top of the <laughs> yeah, dumps his head in like he's all his coke on Like he's a school. Like he had an overdose. He's a school bully. Yeah. Just puts his head and flushes the toilet. May as well give him a wedgie on the way out. Um, I fucked my wife. <laughs> yeah. I take what I want, but I am content with myself. <laughs> he I sounds like Tommy Wiseau. That's what he it does. Is. Actually, he sounds, a, he sounds very Wiseauian. I was trying to pin. Maybe Tommy Wiseau has seen possession. Maybe. He would love this movie. Do you think I'm sure. Tom- I'm sure Heinrich was the template. Yeah. Do you think Tom- that's persona. Tommy Wiseau's real accent? I, I don't know. If, if it is, then he's from that region because he yeah. sounds a lot like Heinrich. You can't fake that, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I. That's what a, what, that's what been if going next on week Tommy Wiseau came out with just like an American accent and was like, I punked all of you? He like hasn't, that. but has he like achieved enough success for that for it to, to give up the bit yet? He, 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 kinda, he, he, he looks missed. like a melted like wax statuette. You know what I mean? At this point, like you know when uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when that guy's face is wax and it starts to melt. That's how Tommy Wiseau looks right now. Look up what he looks, he looks like, like right the now. Second he frame looks like of a, wel- a welted, um, <laughs> melted Madame Tussaud like wax person. <laughs> His cheeks are like, his eyes are like falling out of his head. <laughs> Look up current Tommy Wiseau. It's fucked up. He's That's kinda, why he doesn't take the glasses off anymore. He's kind of missed his window of. of Do you have a, a recent photo? I'm looking it up right now. Of him without the glasses and stuff? He's like, Ugh. <laughs> He looks like when a pug gets really old <laughs> and its eyes are just like bulging out of its skull. 
Um, anyways, man. Possession. He's still making movies. I'm sure he is. Like, what is happening here? It's like his unstoppable force. Are- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unstoppable force. He looks like he's in the middle of a object of, of a crash being filmed by high speed cameras. Yeah, so yeah, his, yeah. his skin is kind of folding. <laughs> <to> the- <laughs> it's slow motion. Yeah, but he's um, just stuck. That <laughs> <way>. <laughs> uh, oh man! You know what's so funny about how it was so is that Doug Walker made that guy famous for about five minutes. He did, he's and then he ran with it and, and he built ran with upon it. it, and the room but, but became a new his window. phenomenon. He missed his window though because he have should you guys have been to a midnight show of the room never it's I, so much fun you know when i watched it's the room, so much fun uh, i watched the room at like 15 on a bootleg copy on i my saw laptop. it on <laughs> adult swim when i was like 11 because adult swim used to show it like after family guy so like to like punk the audience Is this pre uh doug walker yeah Damn. I think so because because I remember the them always showing commercials for the room and it being the you're tearing me apart. Listen, that was the main thing I knew from that movie right. before I ever saw Nostalgia Critic. <laughs> Anyways, all right, guys. Possession, in my yes. opinion, fucking rocks. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I love this movie. I like it. Um, I, I think it's a five star movie. I, I had a good time. So interesting. Uh, and immortal for you. I'm and, sure. and there's no way to talk about this movie and not have like an interesting conversation because everybody I talk to about it has like some weird insight that like I had never thought of before mm. when I see this movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd quite go uh, an immortal, but I would, I would definitely say reanimate. I, I really enjoyed it. I, 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 I entered the movie and I had only heard good things about possession yeah but i, I think, think the midnight crowd they had a good grasp on it because when they would go into it and like cheer for like the campy stuff and like treat it like it was this weird rocky horror phenomenon like that's the right way to watch it well, that was like a super serious well that's movie. the thing is that when people would tell me about possession i think they, they, they the way they pitched it made it feel like it was like an ultra serious movie. yeah, yeah. Uh, nighthawk and, still does midnight shows of this all and the time. i was very excited to find that it was a silly little movie about, <laughs> yeah it's it's a couple like uh, and then the kid i mean god forgive me when the kid dressed Himself, and the actor's legs are still kicking. Yeah. They couldn't even get like Heinrich's legs. They're like, Heinrich, please <laughs> stop kicking the water. You're supposed to be dead. There, there's parts of this that I think are genuinely unnerving. Yeah, there, there's parts of this that give me every time I see the ending and we push in on Isabella Johnny's face and the two doubles are about to meet each other right as the city I, starts getting bombed. Yeah. I just chills. I was going to say chills up my body. I was going to say that's the scariest part of the movie. That's as, a, as soon as the, that's the final note too. Yeah, as soon as the kid. Start saying don't, don't open, open don't and runs open. up, and then you hear the because air raid sirens always freak yeah, me yeah, out. Yeah. The bombing and it's a beautiful and shot, just but it's about so another him crawling on the doorway and abomination and like um, who, well, well, so the movie's about to play out again because because basically she's going to be driven insane by the marriage again and try to make another. Oh well, they're not, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's um, kind of like it's a cyclical exactly, thing. The two yeah. doubles meeting each other. I think. Uh, I think I also give it a reanimate. You know, when I finished it, I was like glad to be done with it. But uh, <laughs> when and and I, it, there is definitely some interesting stuff in here. I think it looks really cool. Even the yeah, as you said, the idiosyncrasies of it are interesting. And I think you know, usually when I watch a movie and I don't get it, I'll do like some reading about it. I didn't. I just came here because I knew that Dan would give me most of the context sure. that I needed. Um, but there are some. Uh, there's some information about how and when it was made that I do think in the in the case of this movie mm-hmm. helps your understanding. The Berlin Wall, it. like yeah, I I, I po- saw that in the movie. I was up, like, okay, this has something to do with it. it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. guys with binoculars, one. Yeah, so that was that, when Gorbachev was like, "Is that wall still there?" 
Someone Dude, should by the that time too. like cars are crashing in the end and it's like the ending of American Psycho, I was yeah, so yeah. confused about yeah. what was going on. Yeah. I, f- I totally forgot about the spy thing. And yeah. it, 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 it's kind of like the American version of Remember Me where they zoom out and Robert Pattinson's not in 9-11. At all. Not at all. <laughs> I haven't not seen not Remember Me. Have you ever seen Remember Me? It's just a regular story. <laughs> that's the that's Robert the weirdest Pattinson. comparison to the movie Possession I've ever heard in my life. Robert is standing against a window and they zoom out and Possession's like Remember Me with Robert Pattinson. That's the most bizarre thing you've <laughs> ever said. I'm with cultural context. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, sure. Um, Danny. Dan. Zach, we Anyways. miss you. We miss you, Zach. We in this Zach. house. Um, in this house. But I guess that'll do it for this episode, folks. Uh, this oh, is you know be... what? Zach probably got fed to that tentacle thing by Maybe. Isabella John. Yeah. Maybe. He follow, he'll follow a pretty woman anywhere. Yeah, he will. We're always yeah. smacking them on their toes. Quit following those pretty women. Zach, Zach would text us and be like, guys, I'm fucked. <laughs> Guys, I followed another pretty possessed woman into a decrepit building, and yeah. I'm in the same uh, scenario again. He sends so us a picture of the thing in the corner. <laughs> of him just, like, shackled to a wall. <laughs> 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 Here I am again. It's, like, feeding on it. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Yes. Uh, we'll be back We've Soon. got we've got a couple interviews on the docket. We've yeah. got another. We've got more reviews. We don't want to stop the reviews. Uh, yeah. Some of some our movies. Uh, yeah. When is this releasing? What, what, is this, this episode yeah. Monday? Uh, okay, well, I guess we could say uh, one of our movies is uh, going to be at Cleveland International Film Festival. Plug your shit. Plug yeah. it, man. Plug uh, it. Uh, uh, this movie uh, that I directed and Justin is in, um, Speak Up Brother, which uh, is produced by Black Man Films, is going to be at Cleveland International Woo! Film Festival. Uh, so if you're in Cleveland uh, between March 22nd and April 1st, we'll be in the short stocket. Oscar so, qualifying short film. Can't wait to see that shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, you could just see it right now. We could just send it to you. <laughs> just send it <laughs> to you right now. <laughs> but uh, you all will have to fi- uh, wait uh, or figure out a way to get to Cleveland. Our uh, beloved morgues out there. Yes. Our, our, our corpses out there, is that what we should call our fans? I like morgues. Morgues okay. is cute. Morgues. Uh, uh, we're we're inching closer to the moment where this entire feed will have to be deleted. Yeah, yeah. Like, one of us is going to get picked up. Yeah, and it's going to all have to go. Yeah. Dan is going to be like, they're like, Dan. So how do you feel about the media more? You'll be like, what? Uh, <laughs> those guys. Yeah, I think I know those guys. Like in passing, maybe. What about these know, pictures? A couple <laughs> conversations with them. Yeah. All Dan, right. We have a picture of you with George Bush. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for listening, guys. If you want more Morgan goodness, you can listen to our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Babies. And YouTube in the Podbean app. Um, see you next time. See you next time, and uh, don't go into any creepy houses. You've changed. For the first time, you look like a podcast to me. <laughs> there you <Sorry>. go. <laughs>